This week on Invasion of the Podcast, can Netflix beat the video game movie curse? We take a look at the Hawkeye Comics run that inspired the Disney Plus show. Does it hit its mark? And can Paul, a small town man who is down on his luck, find that special woman and renew his love for Christmas? Fingers crossed. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Evasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. Um, I am Paul uh, Guero Stedman. That doesn't make sense. I don't like it. And then Steve is somewhere out there. Steve, Steve, what would be your trick arrow of choice? My trick arrow of choice. Um, hmm, that's a good question. One I was not prepared for. Yeah, I just came up uh, with it. I'm sorry. I just this is me. I just I always put you on the spot with my dumb questions. <laughs> uh, is is there one that just you know makes people fall asleep? Because sometimes I could use that arrow on myself. Oh, it's it's called the invasion of the podcast arrow. You can fire. Uh, you know, it, oh, oh no, no. Yeah, they're just like, wait, three hours? I'm out. <laughs> and that's it. So uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about the Hawkeye comic series. Um, the 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 run that inspired that. Well, that is. It, some some of the basis for the the TV show that's going on right now. So we're like, so forgive us. Like, I'm I, I'm not going to try to spoil the Hawkeye show because there's still two episodes to go, um, but there are some lines that run through it. So I think it will be an interesting conversation, especially from a writing and artist like artwork standpoint as well. Because I know um, Steve will have some thoughts. It's going to be a lot of fun, people. So if you want to get into some of the nuts and bolts of what makes like what probably makes like Kevin Feige and company pay attention to be like, oh yeah, this is a good run. We could adopt this. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be fun. So that's yeah, my yeah. I, I don't think there will be spoilers, but I think that there are going to be some interesting things to talk about considering a lot of this graphic novel uh, or comic that's been collected into a graphic novel. Uh, my Life is a Weapon is the uh, volume you guys were, we're going to be talking about today. Uh, but uh, I do think that uh, it'll be hard to because I don't think we'll be spoiling anything about the Hawkeye series, but I feel like it'll be interesting to talk about how they're incorporating this into the Hawkeye uh, film version or cinematic yeah, version. Th- that's uh, that's what considering. I think it's two different. I think it's two different characters, but it's yeah. interesting. We'll yeah, we'll get there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm glad that I know sometimes we get a little movie heavy um, because just you know it's easier to sit down with a movie for like an hour and a half. And but I think that since this is a show, uh, reminding everybody on our 302nd episode, if you've been with us the entire time, thank you, and I apologize that this is a show in which uh, we do kind of cover a broad array of topics generally. Um, and then sometimes we just talk about Spider-Man and Batman. So, you know, welcome. I hope you enjoy. And along the way, there's going to be uh, some uh, secret burps and tangents. I think that's our tagline now. Other than, other, what's our other taglines? Taking over the world one listener at a time. And at least there were cookies. Is that the other tagline now that we're using? <laughs> Um, it's okay as long as there as oh, long as there are cookies. Yeah, yeah. So we have many many taglines, right? So Steve, you um, you had a much more involved weekend, but I want to tell you one thing that happened to me today, real quickly before we get into your weekend. Uh, so I was um, I was lazy and didn't want to leave my house, so I ordered a GoPuff, 
which is a delivery service that can bring you snacks and alcohol now. So that's the key word, alcohol. And I was ordering my beverages and uh, the guy came to deliver it to me. And so they'll, they'll scan the back of your ID to make sure that, you know, you're 21, but then you got to sign your name like on the screen of their phone. And I just put like a little squiggle and the guy's like, yeah, he's like, I usually just put a smiley face for everything. And I was like, yeah, it works unless Batman's looking for you. And he was just like, nah, and just went in his car. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, you know, <laughs> so he was not a fan of I just, your, uh... I don't think he understood what I was saying, which is normal, which is 90% of my life. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I don't know, but whatever. So I would just say if, if you're calling cards, a smiley face, um, don't be surprised if Batman starts looking for you like inadvertently. That's what I got to say. <laughs> So what is the name of the service again? Jigglypuff? Jig no, it's um that no, that's one of my stage names. It's a uh, GoPuff. It's GoPuff. Just GoPuff. It's just they they specialize in like little like snacks, chips, whatever, but they just started recently delivering alcohol. And um it's a little cheaper than uh like the DoorDash because they have their thing called um was it uh, Dash Marketplace or whatever, where you can order like groceries and have it brought to you? I have been so ruined by the pandemic that if I, if it's like, you know, do I pay the, the service fee to just have people bring me things? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I've become like that. And this is going to, this is going to piss off one person listening, whatever the name that, uh, Baron, uh, hardcore, whatever his name was. And, uh, dude, I've become that thing just living in a puddle. Um, and you know, just having food being brought to me or whatever, you know, like I'm that guy. I'm Brendan. Was it Brendan Gleason? I just like bring it uh, to me, you know? Yes. Well, no, wasn't it a Skarsgård? Wasn't it uh, Stellan's oh, it was Sure. I don't know. It was just, it was like, again, big lumpy space potato man. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> and I, I've, I'm at that point now where it's like, I, I, I might develop uh, like levitation just to come down to my door to sign for something, you know? But anyway, so <laughs> I have to ask who, who would that piss off? No, I don't like, know. Just somebody random. Uh, I, I, oh, all I, right. I think it's Baron Harkonnen. I, I, I think that's the name of the character. I'll probably find out. We'll find out next week. Steve. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and I will. And if it doesn't describe him as a lumpy potato spaceman and that book, then they missed out. You know, I think that is my words are the best words. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, me and, I, I me and Frank Herbert. Those were the words that he used to describe yeah. him in the novel. Yeah, so. it was like you know, uh, lumpy spaceman says, "Kill all those people," and then he went back to just you know rolling around in filth. But anyway, so yeah, it's called Go Puff. They can bring you alcohol. I'm sorry that I brought you this like dangerous knowledge, Steve. Like it, uh, I just well, feel like I've so, cracked no, open. Okay, so like, yeah. the area that I've moved to, I got to tell you this real quick. This is kind of funny. Uh, I had used Uber Eats quite a bit uh, living in Illyria. Uh, so I went to use Uber Eats here in Port Clinton. I'm like, oh, let's see what will get, what get delivered. And there was one restaurant. It was a Burger King. That Burger King closed last year. <laughs> so, I don't know that GoPuff is really going to be making its way out here. I could be oh, wrong. Oh, man. I just feel like – do you, do you guys still have the Pony Express out there? Like, what's going on? And it's like, <laughs> and are they now just bringing you letters from like, we're sorry to inform you, this Burger King closed a year ago. Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, you know, we do have a, a, a what my dad used to call a beer doc. Have you ever heard the term beer doc when you were a kid? Um, no, but is it this? Is it one of those things? The drive-through beer store? Is yeah. that what? Okay, yeah, it's just basically a, a drive-through. But I mean, they have. 
uh, like food and and uh, you know you can get other things other than just booze there. But uh, that's our primary use of it. But uh, <laughs> I just I'll never so understand that, the notion of hey, you want alcohol? Did you want to drive through for it? Like I like for me, I'm going to do that. It just seems inherently like just inherently unsafe. <laughs> like, to do that but continue we didn't have this growing up because the state laws yeah where i was at i believe in his stand-up from like the early 90s uh drew carey uh did talk about it being a very ohio thing to have drive through liquor stores oh my goodness and he yeah. uh, described it as uh being for the alcoholic who's on the go <laughs> so. so at least you have one of those stations nearby like i know there's a couple here in cleveland but yeah i've never really ever for as lazy as i've been previous to this point i've never done that uh, now that things can be brought to me, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever have to do that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's not that bad. I don't, I always talk about poor Clinton. Like I'm, I'm living in, you know, the 1800s or Amish country. It's not that bad guys. It's I just, just feel like if you did like DoorDash, they'd be like, well, the closest thing to you is Canada. You'd be like, okay, fine. I'll wait. <laughs> I'll wait. Like the brand across the water. Oh yeah. It's fine. Those are Tim Hortons over there. I'll wait. It's fine. It's the spring. I'm sure if I went across the bridge to Sandusky, I'm sure there's plenty <laughs> of stuff that I could get, but, uh, just not enough drivers over here. I don't think, uh, I mean, I'm sure if there was still have cabs here, if there was DoorDash in my hometown, I'd be like, which of the three pizza places do you want from? And that'd be it. <laughs> And we can still get pizza delivered here. So, you know, pizza places deliver. Oh, thank goodness. I'm glad that you're not living in the, like, complete post-apocalyptic wasteland that is uh, not uh, Cleveland, not Cincinnati, and not Columbus, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) When you guys come out to visit us, I think we're going to have to get some Sloopy's Pizza because I think it's my new favorite pizza. It's here in Port Clinton. How how many various uh, animal skins and skulls do I need to adorn my car for to pass as regular when I come out that way into the badlands, just not wear a mask in stores. So, <laughs> oh Christ. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. yeah. Uh, and that'll, that, that just kind of tells you, uh, and you know, unless you're working there, you know, uh, but, uh, it was a phenomenon, a weird phenomenon when, uh, I first started going around here and I'm like, I'm the only one in a mask, aren't I? Oh shit. So, <laughs> uh, uh, actually I went into, uh, Saturday night, uh, after coming back from something I'll talk about in uh, my section of what you do this weekend, uh, I stopped off at the Kroger. It was about 10 o'clock at night, and uh, I actually saw another person wearing a mask, and they kind of nodded at me. I kind of nodded at them. It was like that Jeremiah Johnson moment. Of, <laughs> you know, Robert Redford just sitting the there. Sl- that slow, like, yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, mask wearing not as popular here as it is in say like Cleveland. Did you, did and Cleveland, you throw it's up about a fifty fifty? Did you throw up the secret um, liberal democratic like hand sign that we all that we all know to that person? Yes. And they responded back in kind. Okay, I just want to make sure. And then um, we whispered antifa to each other and walked. <laughs> <laughs> oh right, yeah. Anyway, um, so you could like, so for the like in terms of weekend talk, I. Um, yeah, it was pretty like, we're, spoiler guys, we're recording this on a Monday versus our normal like Wednesday. Um, just cause I have scheduling conflicts this week. So my weekend kind of just came and went real fast. Like I, um, we had some people over on Saturday. It was fun. Um, you know, I spent, made a taco bar, you know, cause that's what I do. I just make bars for people coming over. Um, you know, hung out, had a good time, played, uh, played some board games. And then Sunday I, I did jack shit. So 
That's, so yeah. let's let's get to the important topic here. Yeah. Let's talk about the tacos. So when you say you made a taco bar, what was on your taco bar? And did you do walking tacos? Did you do uh, did you do like tortillas? Did you do just regular old crunchy taco shells? What did you do? All three of those, and I also found like some uh, pre made like nacho cheese shells that I brought. So I have a plethora of items because if you're gonna make a bar, if you're gonna make a spread. You give people options. So like everything you just named and then one more thing. And that was, that's what I did for at least preparation. Wow. Nice. You know, I, I did find, uh, this is like a year ago or so, uh, that there are bags of Doritos and Fritos now that you can buy They're bigger bags, but they're like the perfect, uh, walking taco bag. I mean, they're expensive. They're like a dollar something per bag, but you know, if you're just getting thanks, it for, thanks Biden, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> He did not have anything to do with it. It's it's like one of the big bags of Fritos, but it's more like a pouch, which is great. It's like like rectangular, so you like open it up, and it kind of folds out into like a little pouch, and you just throw your toppings in there. And it's – because those little bags are great, but you got to make like six of them to get like a real taco. Yeah, so I I just found like a catch-all like um, multipurpose. Like you can buy like the big sacks of like multiple types of small bags of chips. And I was trying – and sometimes um, the grocery store will have just like a bag of like 12 of one type of Dorito, right? And I couldn't mm-hmm. find it this time. So the bag I got was like three Cool Ranch, three regular Doritos, some Frito-Lay. And then I got to like Cheetos and then like some regular potato chips. So I at least wanted to bring that out as an option and then bring out other things as well. Uh, but yeah, like for me, like uh, uh, obviously I made like, you know, taco meat, which is you know, just meat that you throw taco seasoning on. Spoilers, guys. That's my cooking tip of the day. Um, just hamburger and taco seasoning. <laughs> Somehow that makes tacos. Uh, I had available both uh, black beans, pinto beans, uh, pico de gallo, just a, like regular onions. I like sometimes I like a, a good just raw onion sometimes with my stuff. Um, green, diced green chilies. Um, what else do we have? Salsa, um, enchilada sauce which here's also a tip for you guys out there and, and, um, in podcast world, look, you're like, you know what? I'm glad they moved past the apple talk. I'm going to give you guys some enchilada sauce talk. Now, um, there's less sugar and enchilada sauce than there is in taco sauce. So, and it's both a red sauce. So there you go. Um, why does there have to be sugar and everything? I don't know. It's America. I don't like that. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> and then just some light sour cream and some guacamole so people could load it up however they wanted. Okay. All right. Oh, the cheddar cheese. You got. Sorry, not cheddar. I got the Mexican cheese blend. Like I and all some shredded lettuce because Mary likes shredded lettuce, and I just think it gets in the way of everything else taco related. But that's just me. yeah. I mean, I'm pretty basic when it comes comes to my tacos. It's it's shredded lettuce, uh, onion, tomato, cheese, and uh, then taco meat. But well, uh, what I offered up the said, onion. You said onion. Like you were surprised that like oh I don't know if people will put onion on their. That's their what they, like I offered it up and like no one touched it. I'm like it's the, it's just it was already like I bought pre diced onions. So I didn't have, like it wasn't like the big old like hunks of them. Yeah. And I'm like that's pretty good. Like I don't know like like is it weird? Like I just I, so I want to be like well I just there's just onions here. Like I don't know you can have them or not. It's fine. That's why I have everything segmented. But no one touched the onions, and I. I felt like an outsider, and I would have cried my own tears, but there was already freshly chopped onions that could supply them for me. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the first things that I think to put on a taco, so I'm kind of surprised that it didn't uh, 
didn't move among the other tacos. What was the big thing? Was it like suddenly everybody was like guacamole? I like the. Nope, no one touched any of the guacamole. I actually broke that out today when I was making leftovers. Um, Did you throw it right in the trash because it's where guacamole belongs? No, and you're wrong. Uh, So. Um, no, I, what I actually did, you, <laughs> so before, before we start recording, cause I mentioned, uh, oh, what was it last week when I had you over and we, I did the, the omelet bar thing. Cause I, I'm all about like, Hey, what if I just bring a bunch of different types of foods out and just like the segment them and then people can put them together. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's just one of my favorite toys growing up was Legos where it's like, I'm just gonna put it all together. Maybe that's how I view food. I don't know. Um, I, so uh, what I ended up doing tonight before we got out uh, on, you know, for start recording was like, I'm like, I got a bunch of stuff left over and I'd already bought a bunch of bacon and sausage that I just, cause sometimes you do like that, like five for 20 at the grocery store with like the proteins uh, that they have. So I cooked up a bunch of bacon, a bunch of, uh, like breakfast sausage links, cut them all up into little pieces and then mixed that all together and made a casserole of that. Uh, the leftover pico de gallo onions, uh, cheese, like, eight eggs and some other stuff. So I made kind of like a breakfast, like Mexican breakfast, um, casserole. So, and I was drinking the entire time. So everybody the heads up, I, I was having fun baking and drinking And Now we're going to, um, punish you guys. Cause we just talked a lot about baking foods and Steve had a much more interesting weekend than I did. And I'm just like, guess what? I made a joker comment and then I made some food earlier. That's where I was at. So, <laughs> Well, I always enjoy it. I, honestly, I think we should just, you know, change the format of the show, get to, rid to, of news, get rid of news, culture. get get rid of pop culture, and just be like, "Hey, Steve, what do you like on a taco?" Right. <laughs> and somehow we still go three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I do kid about the guacamole. It's just not my cup of tea. I, I I've, I I've come around to it when. Like I'm looking at a menu and like 95% of the things come with guacamole and I'm like, is it on it? Cause I'm afraid you're going to put it in it. Cause I, I, if it's on the side, that's fine. You don't even have to give it to me, but the, there's always that fear that guacamole is just going to show up. Yeah. I mean, I, I've like, I, you know, it depends on what you're doing, but I like to, I do like a guacamole. Um, I had aspirations this weekend of making my own chorizo and I was like, that looks a little too much more involved. So I didn't do that. Uh, but I, but I also want to make at one point. I want to make a white cheese dip with chorizo in it because that sounds amazing to me. Like so, I like I'm all. I don't know what it is. Like the past few years, like I, I, I. This is something I think you and I have talked about previously, especially in your search of the Kmart sandwich. That I now want to put that in my head, like Indiana Jones when you went to the temple and you saw a Kmart sandwich sitting there <laughs> and you're trying to like weigh it out in your mind of like how much it weighs and you had like the bag of sand and you know whatever. Anyway. Um, like I just growing up when my mom, like she took, she was, she was a housewife, like in the sense of like, that's what she did. Um, no, no, no disrespect. Cause that's a hell of a thing to be constantly on top of everything. And when I'd ask about like cooking and, and stuff and she's like, don't worry about that. You're a kid. Like you'll figure it like, you know, be a kid. And I've only come around to like cooking in like, I don't know, since like, like the last 10 years, which sounds like a long time. But it really isn't, you know, like I'm like mm-hmm. in my mid forties now. So I, I want to learn more and more and I want to have the ability to go downstairs to our kitchen and be like, okay, well, what do I have and how can I make something? That's where I want to be now. And I keep trying to figure more and more things out. So it's kind of fascinating to me. I just wish I understood the science better. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a learning process. You know, I mean, there are things that I have learned to make, uh, you know, after my mom has gone, 
and a few of them I've come to realize were recipes from like, for instance, I loved her lasagna and I'm like, once I figured it out, I realized that it's pretty much the lasagna recipe that Prego uh, puts <laughs> on its website. Eh, whatever. And like, and that's not to say like, oh, there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, I just I always had like this thing in my head that like it was far more complicated than it actually was. Um, so I was gun shy about making it for a while. Um, you know, uh, my mom made a really good um sloppy joe mix and i don't know that i've ever gotten it to where it's exactly like hers because it wasn't written down anywhere but it's not like manwich it's you know like mustard and brown sugar mm. and you know um so uh, i i think that you know we all kind of get to that point where you want to make something and you're like okay i i don't want to just make another corn dog or uh, heat something up in the microwave, you know, uh, it's harder for me just because of the fact that Kathy is a vegetarian. So, uh, when I was like, I want to make something adventurous with meat, it's like, well, <laughs> it, I'm going to be making it for me, you know, kind of thing. And I'm going to have to eat all of it. So no, it's, I understand that. And like, and, and also for me, it's like, I'm trying to like find, um, I'm trying to find flavor, with without adding like sugar and carbs, which you know, there's a whole belly, like, so it's there's there's an extra like p- like parameter set up, but that's not a bad thing, like you know, like like we could speak to being creative in terms of like being an artist, writer, you know, like sometimes you come up with something, they're like, holy shit, I didn't even consider this because you have a limited options, right? Like mm-hmm. you can work in a certain lane, and sometimes with cooking, it's like that too. Like, one of the things growing up, <laughs> like that was always different. Like, I'm like, why did my, like, why, when my parents made peas, were they all, why were they always better than peas that I had later? Here's the secret to them making peas better. They just put a sugar in it and they cook mm. it. I'm like, Oh, no wonder I loved it. <laughs> Cause it's like, you're just cooking, you're cooking canned peas with sugar. And of course they taste better, you know? Like, so it's, it's, it's just because I remembered something fondly doesn't mean it was the right decision at the time, you know? So, but I just, I don't know. Like I'm always trying to find uh, new things. So I'm always kind of experimenting a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, your mileage may vary, but I have also figured out that a casserole is that's, um, it's, it's kind of like Noah's Ark. It takes all of God's creatures you can just make a casserole. It's fine. And you know, it's like, you know, had enough cheese and it'll be, it'll be, it'll be okay. That's my cooking tips for today. That's Paul's cooking tips. Everybody can follow me for more recipes. That's, I don't know what that means. I also have to figure out more things to make in a crock pot other than chili. It's like the only oh, thing. Can, can I give you, can I like, well, how see your, your wife's vegetarian. So that might be a little tougher. I was going to say for you, or if you're having like people over that enjoy like meat, you know, easy, easiest thing in the world is you get like um, three, four, five chicken breasts, put it in there, and you, you just layer it with um, barbecue sauce. You let it sit like four hours on high or like eight hours on low, and then like a half hour before you're done, pull them out and shred them and let it just soak up the barbecue sauce. You get like perfect pulled chicken. Hmm. Okay. It's super easy, and it's like and you make a ton of it. And I get, there's there's um, there's a company that makes some sugar free uh, barbecue sauces. Um, out there. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a real easy meal to make and it, it makes a lot. Okay. I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, we were just talking about 
what we were going to do for like Christmas dinner and like Christmas Eve, we're having dinner at her parents. And I, uh, always make, I, I've tried, you know, to keep like what my mom made for Christmas dinner alive for a very long time. And I'm just, I'm like at the point where I'm like, you know, it's, it's really just a tradition that I'm keeping for myself at this point, And I really should, because Kathy years ago, she's like, maybe we should find our own tradition. And I was like, no, it's gotta be this. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that, but I, I was like, yeah, you're right, you know, but I kept on making the things and, you know, I I, I think this year I'm going to do, um, I did, uh, I don't remember if it was this summer or if it was last year during like the heat of uh, the quarantine, if you will, uh, I had made uh, Cuban sliders and then I'd done versions with her that just didn't have ham. It was everything else except for the ham. Um, and she really liked those. So I'm like, oh, I think I'll get, get some like King's Hawaiian rolls and, mm-hmm. you know, make some Cuban sliders and then do, I, I actually, the last, I don't remember if it was stud Cathlon. I think it was, I, I made home macaroni, homemade macaroni and cheese. And that's something also that both of us can eat. So I think I'm going to do that for Christmas as well. That's a good call. Um, and try and start some new tradition but, so that i can still so, have a little bit of something like ham has always been like christmas and ham go together in my brain so that's true i i, I you know I, I i agree with that um so what was the, the big christmas thing that you in terms of a meal that you wanted to keep alive um that was important to you from from your family uh so my mom did a lot of different things like she she made ham uh ham was always the big thing uh but uh i never was it ate... was it the prego ham recipe on the back of the prego <laughs> I believe it was the honey baked. Oh, okay. I didn't, but, I didn't know uh, if Prego had a ham uh, <laughs> Chef Bayardi's ham. You know, but she would, she would, we, we would get different breads. Like I don't eat anything on rye bread, but except for at Christmas, I'll eat ham sandwiches, like leftovers on rye bread for some reason. Um, and then, uh, she would do her homemade macaroni salad. Uh, she would also do shrimp and then imitation crab. Uh, she would do homemade Chex mix. Um, and then obviously every kind of cookie imaginable and Buckeyes and although I am still planning on making like Buckeyes and fudge this year. But, uh, you know, the, the main things were like making sure that I had ham and all the different types of breads. She would also do <laughs> this is a little bit unfair. She would do like a spinach dip where you have like the bread and it's in the middle. And oh, yeah, you put, like, you do like the actual like was yeah. the brown on the outside with the spinach dip in the middle is what you're saying. Yeah, that yeah. But I, I never liked that. So that that hasn't over <laughs> oh i was i was never a fan of that um and then you know like the one would, thing that your just, wife would probably be all about you're like nah, i don't know about that spinach dip <laughs> and then she would she would try and like you know bring different things in and like sort of move them around like some years it would be like uh you know oh i made and i don't know what the technical term for it is is i think homer uh described it once as a. Uh, uh, little wieners that look like they're in ketchup, but man, it ain't ketchup. Um, like a cocktail it, sauce? It's like a jelly, and uh, it's like a weird, like Heinz 57 and jelly recipe. And then, like, the uh, they're not mini hot dogs, but what are they called? They're uh, little smokies? Yeah, little smokies. Um, so she would do those not every year, but like she would rotate them out and, uh, you know, try something new. Um, and I'm kind of blanking on it, but, but ham, macaroni, salad, uh, shrimp, imitation crab, 
and cookies and garbage stuff like that was uh, kind of the, the main tenets of the meal, and then she would switch things out. So. Yeah. So the big thing for us, like, uh, was this Thanksgiving where a lot of that'd be bu- come out. Like, um, for whatever reason, uh, cherry cheesecake was a big deal. Uh, like Thanksgiving. Like, have, I haven't made that in forever, but that was the easy cheesecake mix, uh, cracker, like graham cracker crust, and then like the um, the glazed cherries, and that was it. Um, one thing I've carried over was the chocolate pudding pie, which exactly is what it sounds like. You just make a bunch of chocolate pudding and put it into a pie tin with like graham cracker crust and let it sit. You're like, oh, this is just pudding, but it's in pie form. I'm like, that's right. Don't okay, question so it. I'm going to stop you r- real quick. Uh, I do apologize Please. Uh, for this, but uh, that is actually the one thing that my mom would make for me. It wasn't usually at Christmas, but like apple pie uh, is okay. Uh, I don't really like cherry pie. Um, not, not a warrant fan. You're not a warrant fan. You're just not a warrant fan of that sweet cherry pie. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but you know, my mom was a big fan of like the, the lemon meringue and even, at, even at Thanksgiving, like I was never really like, I'll eat a slice of pumpkin pie, but it's not like, Oh, pumpkin pie. Yay. It's just like, Oh, it's pumpkin pie. It's here. I'll eat it. But I love chocolate pudding pie. Um, to, to the point that, like, a lot of people, like, when I would talk about chocolate pudding pie, they'd be like, okay, I get it. It's pudding in a pie. I Yeah, that's, yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's the best <laughs> pie ever. You know, they're like, it's chocolate pudding in a pie. Uh, so uh, my mom would always make, uh, if there was some sort of uh, get-together or family event or something that would I- include um, some sort of pie. She would make a pie for pretty much everybody else. And then she'd make a chocolate pudding pie for me. Aww. So, um, okay. well then I'm glad that we have something in common. There was a yeah, chocolate pudding when pie. You, when you brought it up, I was like, Oh, I'm like, that's well, actually not a bad idea to, to bring into Christmas. But, I will. I will. They have sugar free, uh, you know, puddings now. So there you go. Um, and there's all sugar free whip, whip topping that, um, that also I'm, I'm in, I'm in the pocket of big, no sugar, I guess that's where I'm at right now. Um, so yeah, I would do that. And then, but for Christmas though, and I, I know, Hey, thank you everybody for trudging along here for our memories through food lane here. Um, the big thing my mom would always do for Christmas was she wouldn't cook anything. She's like, this is my one day to do nothing. So she would order a taco pizza from the pizza place. So we just have pizza on Christmas. Cause she's like, this is my day to do nothing. And so my memories as a kid was a taco pizza. <laughs> like, so I, you know, and I look back fondly on the taco pizza, like, you know, that's the oh, Christ is born and he brought taco pizza. <laughs> I would like to see a commercial for some sort of small chain, uh, pizza place. Uh, that's just that it's, it's Jesus bringing taco pizza. Birth. Just be like or, the the reason for the seasoning. It's just the taco pizza. This guy gets brought up. Like wise <laughs> men seek taco pizza. Yes, it's like oh, they brought uh, gifts of uh, silver, myrrh, and taco pizza. I would be like, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Actually, that doesn't sound too bad to me, though. You know, uh, I kind of like your mom's idea of being like, oh, I'm really tired, and I do this 364. Days out of the yeah. year, let this be the one that I get to relax. 
Yeah, and I thought that was perfectly, like, I mean, none of us ever objected, you know, like, like, hey, could you make that mince meat pie that my dad liked that no one else wanted? No. All right. So, um, <laughs> she, she actually would make like the fruit version and then like, you'd be like, there'd be like one slice missing. And I think it was my dad being like, yeah, you know, it could have been animal parts. Yeah. You know, anyway. So, um, I don't know why we, <laughs> welcome to invasion of the podcast, everybody, where we, uh, like it's always a food, it's, it's a carnival of food here um steve talk about your weekend you had a lot going on a lot more than me not like i made a casserole tonight that's where this ended up at so please tell people about your weekend (laughs) literally i think we should just get rid of the news from now on and just turn it into (laughs) what did you have for dinner tonight what what did you eat (laughs) like no oh god no please i i um i i had a co-worker at one point um, in, in this day and age of like, you know, everybody working remotely, like, just like one of his questions always be like, like if we're all talking, like, Oh, what'd you guys have for lunch? I'm like, I don't, you know what? Like, it's not that I, it's not that I don't like, I don't have a problem telling somebody like, yeah, this is what I ate. But it's like, that's your question that you're going to ask people. Like, is there nothing else going on that you're going to think, Oh, what'd you have for lunch? That sounds pretty good. It's like Christ in heaven. Can you pick a different question? And it was always just like, I don't know. I, I just, I, I got kind of, it got kind of frustrating. I'm like, I don't really want to talk about what I ate because that's between me, my food and the microwave. And it knows what it did. You know, like I don't need to get into that. Like I just, I, there's, there's, there's work quirks that sometimes bother me. And it's like, and I'm not saying this person did this like out of like maliciousness or like was being ill willed, but I'm just like, I don't really want to tell you what I had for lunch. Cause I don't need your input. Cause I've already eaten it. It will eventually become poop. Like I don't need, I don't need your, um, commentary on what I've already put in my body. Wow. Uh, I, I think we just found a hot button topic for, uh, Paul here. Well, it's, so, it's not, uh, do you understand? Like, do you understand what I'm saying though? It's like, it's just like cool. Like, cause I, somehow I have to justify my lunch decisions and like, what if all I have was like four hot dogs I found in the fridge and like a can of white Navy beans? Cause I'm like, well, good enough. There's like, am I going to be like, yeah, Hey, I had a hobo lunch. What'd you have today? Well, I, I can honestly say, uh, you know, I uh, do a lot of drive through for my lunch. I've <laughs> kind of stopped packing my lunch at, at this point just so that I can leave work for a little bit because I just need to get away. Uh, so I, I feel awful about it, but I actually hate – well, okay, so two <laughs> things. One, with COVID, I heard a lot of discussions about it that I'm like, I really don't want to be eating in the same room with you people now. Fair enough. Um, two – uh, I just want to get away. I don't want somebody coming in and asking me a question or talking to me because I, I it's all I, I, I get my half hour. I just want to have a half hour where I don't have to answer a question. That's, that's it. That's fair. You know? That's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with that too. It's like, I don't need, I don't really need this, you know? And I feel like a dick because I'm not the most outgoing person at work either. So I think people are like, Oh, there's Steve. He sits by himself and is, you know, just, Eats his whatever, uh, you know, his his uh, uh, Wendy's or whatever by himself. And it's not that I'm being antisocial. It's just sometimes I just I, I work I, my job. I have to talk to a lot of people and answer a lot of questions. So if I can not do that for a half hour, it's just enough for me to just 
have some time to myself. And it's going to get colder here where I can't just sit in my car and eat. So, Well, that's when you order the chili from Wendy's. And then you get some, <laughs> you get some fingerless gloves. You just sit in your car and you have your hobo lunch that you will not talk about. I respect that. That's fair. Um, just have, all right, can, can so, you ask, can you ask your workplace big, listen, I don't want to get into why, but can you please set up a campfire outside around lunchtime every day? Just a large barrel that looks like it's supposed to be for industrial liquids. Can we just have a campfire? And I just want my half hour by the campfire with no questions. Well, if that was going to be a thing, I would just stand out there and sing, uh, take me back from, uh, Rocky, which is uh, Sly Stallone, <laughs> his brother Frank, uh, is no. singing that song. I think that that's actually the thing, you know, uh, people go to hobos. I always go to Rocky, where uh, they're just standing around the, the fire and, and singing. So Fair enough. All right. So I derailed it. This show is just off the rails, and I apologize for nothing. So, Steve, what was your weekend like? Well, here, let me, as much as I just talked about how I didn't want to answer questions and I didn't want to uh, have meaningless conversation uh, while I was enjoying my lunch, I will say, people, before we started, I kind of had a rough day today. And I told Paul, I'm like, I don't know that I got it in me to do a show. I'm going to try and get my get get my my enthusiasm up. And, and so maybe you guys don't enjoy it, but honestly, talking about dumb shit like you know, oh, what did you have on your taco bar is really it's nice because it's not something I have to think too hard about. And it's it's something that interests me. Uh, so <laughs> it, it was it was nice. Uh, if, if for nothing else, dear listeners, um, at least it indul- indulge me in in these uh, flights of fancy. I just like that. We talk. asked the hard hitting questions, the, the ones yeah. that the people want to know what's on your taco bar like. Uh, you know what? Before you get to the, I got to ask, what, what is your go-to? You mentioned Wendy. So it sounds like that is your lunch mistress. Um, what is your go-to order at Wendy's? Uh, the, uh, uh, biggie $5 dollar deal. You get a, uh, biggie. What's, what's it called there? It's a double stack. I think is what it's called with bacon. You get four chicken nuggets, fries, and a drink for okay. five bucks. Not bad. Yeah. Uh, and then if, if I go to Arby's, which is the other nearby restaurant, I get the three piece, uh, chicken tenders with curly fries. Okay. I re- I respect both of those. Um, I will say that I've, uh, I have been, um, sometimes in the morning when I get a little lazy. I will order uh, some Wendy's, uh, breakfast from uh, DoorDash and I will regret myself later, but I always get the breakfast baconator. And a couple of breakfast burritos because I want a, a burrito every single moment of my life. You know what's ironic about uh, this story is, is that I talked about earlier about how the Burger King here in Port Clinton went out of business and it's the only thing on uh, Uber Eats. Uh, oddly enough, there is or there was a Burger King close to my work that I used to love going to just because it was quick and I could get out of there like in and out uh, faster than any other place in the area for some reason. Uh, and it went out of business as well. So um, Burger King, I don't know. Uh, maybe Steve, they're having I some think, hard I times right now. I kind of think that you're like, um, you're like death on a pale horse for local Burger King uh, locations. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. But anyway, sorry. Here I, he comes. Oh, no, he's going to ask for hot dogs. We don't have them anymore. He's going to want them. That's fine. 
Wait, didn't we when when you and I went to that um when we went to that uh, convention was it like, like oh when we met Bagley was yeah. that a Wendy oh, was that I play- wasn't with you for Bagley but we went to the Akron show yeah oh okay that was the Akron show I'm sorry that's when we when you met Superhost and we went there sorry wasn't that was the Burger King there closed too that we tried to do the drive through well, of that it looked like it was closed oh, it was okay. actually open and we were like is this an abandoned Burger King <laughs> no it's still open so for now it's probably for already now. closed um I think that Burger King the one that's nearby you should become a ghost kitchen and be way more appropriate. It was a ghost kitchen. Um, so. I'm just hoping they put something else in there. If it's not going to be a Burger King, like give me another option for dinner. Like, okay, or for well, lunch. okay. If, if you had your druthers for a fast food restaurant location there, what would you want? Hard hitting questions here on Vage of the Podcast. So, okay, so there's a McDonald's across the street, but I don't go to the McDonald's because it's just a pain in the ass and it takes forever to get through. I don't know why it's so popular, but, you know, McDonald's is probably the one that I would go to. Um, there's a. Mr. Hero nearby, but I got to go in for that, and I don't want to go in Mr. Hero. Uh, maybe if I could... No, so here's the thing. I, w- I would do five guys, but two things. One, I, you get a lot of food with five guys, and after I eat five guys, I just want to lay down and nap for like four hours. Yeah, I mean, after you get five guys inside you, yeah, you just got to lay down. That's fine. I get it. No, oh, you. You <laughs> and your <laughs> joke. <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh you know, actually, a, a subway that would be close would actually be nice. The only thing that sucks about subway is, is that I'd still have to go in. Um, so maybe well, a Chipotle. Some subways have drive throughs So maybe, you know, I don't know. Yeah, maybe a Chipotle just because uh, the one that used to be by my house had a drive-up pickup window where it wasn't – you didn't order there, but, like, you could actually – order on your phone and just drive up, pick it up and leave. I, I wouldn't <laughs> accept that. I also think that um, as much as you don't want to admit to it, I think an A&W and Long John Silver's like half and half would be, I think you that know, would be a siren song to you. I don't think I've ever eaten at an A&W. Well, but you would have the opportunity then be like, you know what would be pretty great with three, three piece fishing more? A root beer float. <laughs> I don't what know what that means. I don't died, know what that means. Like he, he died in his car. <laughs> Of a massive, a massive heart attack, but he died as he lived, eating food in his car. (laughs) 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 Oh, okay. Talk. You're we. Sorry. Oh God. Talk about your weekend, please. Give me away. We're in a food loop. Come on. Let's just like yes. All right. So, uh, uh, first thing I want to mention here is is that uh, this this weekend I stopped off at Carolyn John's to drop off uh, my. cover for the holiday art show um for those of you who are unaware carol johns does every year a uh an art show uh with local artists although i guess technically i'm not local anymore uh where we can uh do covers on blank sketch covers uh and uh they get raffled off basically. Um, and the money that's collected and there's actually donations as well that you can make for, uh, the greater Cleveland food bank. Um, they've gone, uh, every year and, and basically, uh, I'm trying to find the number here. Um, but last year, I think it was, they, uh, created, uh, helped create 20,360 meals. So, 
Uh, that's great stuff. But I dropped off my cover. I will post it on our Facebook page because it's going to be available to view this weekend. Uh, they're not doing their holiday party. It doesn't look like, but they're going to be doing like a gallery show where you can go in and look at the uh, pieces and try and uh, enter the raffle for the one that you like. Uh, the one that I chose to do was actually inspired by suggestions from both Paul and Joe uh, after our last recording well, the, together. Well, the theme this year for the, is what if, is what that, yes, that the theme for the show. this year is what if, and I couldn't come up with a good what if. Uh, the one that I thought was the funniest was uh, what if uh, Bruce Wayne's parents uh, uh, survived, and it was just going to be Bruce Wayne eating like Doritos on his couch uh, instead of being Batman. Uh, but... Uh, and the pause there for Paul not laughing. Oh no, uh, I was waiting for. I was wait, no, I thought it was funny. I was waiting for. I was uh, trying either. I was waiting for another joke or for me to make up one, and I had nothing. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I think either you or Joe first said do something funny, and then you guys had stumbled upon the idea of what if Ralphie from A Christmas Story became the Punisher. So that is the uh, idea that I ca- uh, that I I used for the cover. Um, so if you guys want to bid on that, or if you just want to help out the, uh, greater Cleveland food bank, uh, please stop by Carolyn Johns and either buy a raffle ticket or buy multiple raffle, raffle tickets. They'll actually even do them. Um, it looks like online or over the phone. If you want to call in and just be like, Hey, I want to, you know, buy 10 tickets. Uh, they'll work with you on that to, to get you in the raffle. Uh, yeah, it says you can call uh, and have your credit card or PayPal info ready, and they'll do it for you over the phone as well. Uh, this is just a great charity community thing that uh, Carol and Johns does, um, as they've always supported local artists. It's a nice way for people like myself to give back. Um, I'm sure that uh, if you guys are in the area, you're going to go and just fall in love with some of these covers, even if it's not the one that I did. There's like, I think I was number 33 when I handed in my cover on saturday so i'm sure there are probably people because the deadline was sunday and if you know anything about us artists we like to we like to push a deadline as much as we can so there's probably going to be way more than 33 um so uh please uh you know even if you aren't interested in cover or you just want to support a good cause you know please consider uh this for uh your holiday uh i think it's a a great cause and carolyn johns is always going to have a soft spot in my heart for all the support that they've given us over the years. Um, and it's just a great shop. So, yeah, so I will, I'm not going to lie. Like when you showed me the cover to, to Joe and myself and our, our own little text chat, I, uh, I saved it and showed a couple other people cause it was amazing. So I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, people, you need to, to go see this. It's great. And also when you're like Joe and Joe and I inspired it, I'm like, well, I don't remember which one of us said anything, so I'm going to say Joe was the funny one. I don't know, but I know that he and I go spiraling out and, and talking about ridiculous things, but it's a fun cover that you did. I'm also going to ask you this question. As a creative, have you ever finished a project like well before the deadline and felt satisfied with the project? Mm, no. <laughs> no one has. And if, you, if no. you're satisfied with what you've done like three days before... Eh, look at it again. It could be better. <laughs> I am very much uh, work, 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 work on something. And then when I finish it, I feel like a relief for about 15 seconds. And then I look at all the things and I'm like, God, I could have done that better. Oh, that's, I could have done that so much. Better. Oh man, that looks awful. Oh God, why did I do this? And then it's just a, a nice revolving door of hate. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, 
<laughs> I, I've never actually uh, completed something early and felt really great about it. If I have, it was probably in high school. <laughs> like, like I just thought you'd find that funny because it's like nobody like deadlines are like um, that. Is, deadlines are the greatest driving force for creative you know, being creative. You know, like um, knowing that there's a gun to your head, you know, figuratively to get something done is like you, you might know about the six months in advance. It doesn't matter because you're going to wait till 72 hours before it's due. And then you're going to make something happen. Um, I always try to tell myself, like, I'll let ideas bake. I'll let it like, you know, let it be a little fine. I'll let it marinate. And then when I get to where I'm like, when I'm like, something's due, I'm like, shit, I got nothing. And then I'm just like, slap, 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 slap crossing fingers and then everybody's like that's pretty great i'm like you have no idea how badly i messed this up you know like just you like like you've you've said repeatedly that you're like your own harshest critic like i am for my own stuff as well because i've i've shown you things that i like i have worked on and done you're like that's pretty great i'm like is it <laughs> you know so you're, you have you're, uh yeah. and, and this is another uh notch uh another not notch. What's the word I'm looking for? Another knock against my geek cred, I guess, is a better way of putting it. I've never read uh, uh, Douglas Addison. Addison's Douglas Adams. I'm sorry. Yeah. His uh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Okay. Um, it's a, a a great shame of mine. Uh, but you had done a cardboard stand up of oh, the uh, Marvin. That was it. Um, the paranoid android. I yeah, think it was his name. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was great, and you're like, I don't know, it's just okay. I'm like, dude, this is way better than I could do. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, like, I why mean, you're so hard on yourself. You you made like a life size Hagar the horrible horrible <laughs> uh, shield at one point, and, and you did it out of cardboard. I'm like, it looks exactly like it was drawn by whoever the artist is on Hagar the horrible. Like, uh, you got to give yourself more credit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but I've 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 not published three comics. You know? Well, not all of us have. So. <laughs> no, I just you know like, like um, that's the, isn't that that's the curse and the blessing, right? That's that, that's of being a creative person is that if you find like like um, I'm pulling the curtain back here a little bit. We're not even at news yet. Well, we're gonna blow through the news. Everybody, heads up. Um, when Joe first approached me about having on the show, he's like, yeah, he's doing a web comic. And I'm like, okay. And my track record for sniffing out like people to have on the show has been like, like every, every person we've had on the show, we've been thankful. Let me just, let me, let me set that, like say that, that like, um, cause I don't want to throw shade at anybody individually. Like that's not fair and that's not right. Cause everybody's out there trying to hustle and create and do, do their own things. Um, I just sometimes where if somebody says I have a project I'm working on, like I know me, I'm my tastes sometimes are fickle and like, maybe that's just me and it's not fair to people doing a thing. Um, so sometimes when I want to shine a light on somebody's work, um, it hasn't been always like, how, how do I approach? I'm, I'm, I'm a little tipsy, Ray. I apologize for nothing. Um, so it was one of those things where I'm like, ah, I don't know. But when Joe showed me your work, I'm like, holy shit, these guys know what they're doing. And I was like, this is like, how do we get this guy? You know? So you're going to be like, bullshit, whatever. No, I was like, these guys are legitimately putting it together. It's a lot of fun. And I appreciate this. I like it. There's a certain type of like, okay, cool. Let's just do it. Where other times where it's like, yeah, you want to talk about a thing? You're like, like you end up looking at it. You're like, whoo, like, like, um, uh, it's, it'd be like, yeah, you know what? I'm a writer. It's like, are you? It's like, yeah, check out my live journal. And you're like, this is shit. Like, you know, um, so 
I, I just, well, I, I think yeah. the reverse of that too is is that uh, when when we do find people that we're interested, they're like, "Yeah, I'd come on," and then they never respond. So, it's, <laughs> well, no, like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, blow some smoke up some people's asses in a good way. I don't know what that means, but like, like our a friend of the show, Jeff Ritchie, amazing artist, right? And he yeah. is the most humble son of a bitch ever, and like he will never, ever, ever, ever give himself credit for the shit that he does. And it's like, why is he friends with me? <laughs> like, it's one of those things where it's like, you are so good. Why do you hang out with me? I, I, no, I'm not, I'm not a good, I'm not a good art person, you know? So, and like you, like you and Ryan, you put, you've published comics and things. I know it's been like, you guys have made it on your own, but you have a tangible physical object that, um, and, and, and take this for the compliment it is, Steve, you son of a bitch, you beautiful son of a bitch. If your book was sitting alongside whatever it is as an independent in a comic shop, it wouldn't look out of place, which I think is a very high compliment. You know? Well, I do appreciate okay. that. Thank you. And I mean it, you know? And it's like, so yeah, like you told me that my Marvin, the paranoid Android or whatever, it was like, that looks pretty great. I'm like, yeah. Um, like, like I just, like my biggest thing I was upset about is that I use like a really dull blade cutting the figure out. So I'm like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of messed up. Like, <laughs> Cause I use this like regular cardboard to make this thing. It's still at our house. Like it's cause my wife and I both made it together cause they, she has a book club and they were reading, um, hitchhiker's guide. And I'm like, she wanted a Marvin for the part, like for the, like the book club, like they meet up once a month. I'm like, yeah, we'll do it. And then, so she, I, I drew it and laid it out and she painted it. And then I did, I went over it with marker. I guess I inked it. Is I think maybe that's the right way to say it. I inked it afterwards. Sure. Um, and it, it came out pretty great, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm looking at, it, I'm like, I could have done better. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, your cover's great. Thank um, you. Make sure you link it so people can see it and then they can vote on it and buy it. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, you, but you're bearing the lead. You did something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the, the second big thing that I did was, is, uh, I, I'll be honest, people. I'm, I, as much as I like comedy and humor, I, there aren't a lot of stand-up col- comics that I follow, but uh, I got to cross a big one off of my list this weekend. I got to see Pat Oswalt live. Jeff Foxworthy. Oh, I'm sorry. Pat Oswalt. Sorry. <laughs> it was the entire blue-collar comedy tour. <laughs> it was Jeff Foxworthy and then you know Larry, Larry the Cable Guy and then the other guys who were in there. Um, <laughs> the other no. guys, yeah. I uh, I got my wife got us tickets to see uh, Pat Oswald and it felt like forever for the show to come because I think she bought the tickets in like early spring maybe maybe early summer but it was one of those things where it was kind of like when is when is Pat Oswald oh it's still three months away all right when's Pat Oswald oh it's like three months away oh when is it oh it's two months away and then it it was this week she was or this past week she was like hey Pat Oswald's this weekend I'm like oh my god it's this weekend <laughs> uh, it just felt like it was forever always away um I laughed harder than I have laughed in a long time I I don't want to sit here and because I do love his comedy and I I think he's not only a hilarious guy, but he's a genuine guy. He doesn't seem to have a mean spirited bone in him. Um, he's just ridiculously funny. And I was, I was in tears at different point just during his comedy. It was, I was laughing so hard. I, I don't know. It was, it was money well spent. Uh, we, I think we had fifth row. Um, nice. so we were up, up front. Uh, and he, he just came out like a, 
I, I don't know. He just came out and started going. And I, the one thought that I had is, is that we, I've talked about this, you know, with you, if we're just opening the doors on the podcast, you know, I hate the fact that I can't always think of words on the podcast or that I fill sometimes with the words, you know, or I like, or, uh, uh, so I, I hate that about myself and watching him talk. And obviously, yes, he has, you know, he's honed in, in perfected his craft over 25 years of doing stand up comedy. And obviously he's written his bits. So he knows them chapter and verse, but there are points where he just started doing crowd work. And I was like, he is, and I almost swore he is so damn good and quick witted. Like I could not believe how quickly he was coming up with stuff. Um, just, I, I, if he comes back to Cleveland again, I will always go and see him now. Nice. Um, you know, unless obviously I'm out of town or we can't afford it. And then those are different matters. But, <laughs> um, I had such a good time and, uh, it was a real treat to, to hear him just talk for an hour. And, uh, he had some wonderful, wonderful bits, uh, uh, one of them was about uh, his uh, getting the uh, COVID shot, and uh, uh, there was there was a lot of talk about what he did during the pandemic that was really funny and uh, just a a true comedic genius. Uh, it, it's one of those things too, where it's like when you really like somebody an awful lot, like an entertainer, you're like, oh, please don't let something awful come out about him. Um, Hopefully that never happens with Pat Nozzle. I don't think it ever will. But yeah, just an amazing show. And Paul, in, in the next time he comes around, you and Mary have to come with us. Oh, There's for sure. I didn't. And butts about it. I, I forgot that he was coming. And it's like one of those things. Like because um, we had um, oh um, Mary had bought us tickets around the time the pandemic started. Um, for uh, Pete Holmes was coming mm. to Cleveland to Hilarities, and they got canceled. And then so that was delayed. And then um, she ended up buying uh, tickets for uh, what was it, Roy Wood Jr., who uh, we love him, mm -hmm. but I still the didn't Daily feel great. Show. Yeah, I still didn't feel great about going to that club at the time. Yeah, um, yeah. So this was pre-booster. Like, um, not let me let me re let me rephrase. There, <laughs> I hate that we're at a point right now in our country that we have to take an open gamble with others, but all we can do is do the best that we can to protect ourselves. And that still sometimes is not good enough. So like, let me you know. let me stop you here real quick. Uh, that yeah. was another thing that was refreshing about the show. Uh, you had to have your ID and your vaccination card. Good, good. They checked uh, vaccination cards to get in, so that made me feel a little bit easier I about mean, being in a big room with it, a lot of still, people. It does. I mean, I mean, you and I were just at a theater, like watching. I mean, it's like there's always the potential, right? And that's right. that's that's always in the back of my head. Um, and, you know, for goodness sakes, like Mary and I are going to a show on Wednesday uh, coming up this week to, uh, uh, you know, at a smaller, uh, not, not where you're at. We're going to the grog shop here in Cleveland on the East side, much, much smaller venue, but it's like, like, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not trying to do the thing of like, well, you guys got to live your life and hope for the best. Like, no, we've taken every precaution that we've can. So but where does it end in terms of like, can we go do a thing? And I think that's where you guys yeah. are at too. You know, and it's like, and I'm not saying that that isn't like the smartest thing for us to do would be to hole up and just hope that go puff will bring us liquor. Sometimes I understand that or the, <laughs> or the closed burger King, I, but you know, like there's calcul calculated risk at all. And there's something to be said though for the performer 
saying, I want this for my audience because I want to know that I'm safe coming out, or what the safest I can be, and I want my audience to be the safest they can be, and I respect that. And I'm glad that you guys got to go because I know you guys have you during the initial like first like year plus of what we've been going through, you and your wife actually were a lot more strict with your lines drawn than I was with my wife. And it's like, not that I'm saying that we went out and was like, you know what we should do? Breathe in people's faces and lick doorknobs. Like it wasn't like that, but it's like, (laughs) you know, like in terms of like, you know, it's just, there's a certain point of like, you know, and I'm not saying that like, Oh, we, we, we rolled the dice. We went on the Oregon trail and we all died of dysentery and that's it. But it's like, there, there, there's a point where it's like, how we're doing everything right. Can we go do a thing? You know, like, I'm I'm sorry, I'm I'm dragging this out too long. Welcome to invasion of the podcast, but like, thank goodness that you guys went and had a great time. And I'm hoping to see Patton Oswald. Um, I do love comedy. Um, I will say, uh, uh, the handful of comedians that I've got to see live, um, of like, of the people that I truly appreciate, he's on that list and I've not seen him. And I, I do hope that when he comes back around again, that we will be there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I don't know when that'll be. I mean, uh, obviously with the, he's involved in so many different projects all the time. I don't know how he has he's Modoc, tour. For goodness yeah, sakes. He, well, he's Modoc. <laughs> he's on that AP bio. He's involved with mystery science theater 3000. Like he does a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, he waits in tours like every couple of years or if it's more of a being on the active circuit kind of thing. But uh, he did tell a story and I won't go into it here because he's like, I don't really have an end for this bit yet. So next year when it's on like a comedy special, you can be like, I saw this bit when he didn't have an end for it. Um <laughs> But yeah, he's just so quick witted and smart and he, he's that smart guy that I'm like, I want to be that guy. Like, I thought I was funny. I thought I was smart. And then this guy showed up uh, and he blows me out of the water. And uh, obviously immensely talented, smart guy. And uh, uh, I'm so glad that I got to see him live. Uh, it was a true joy. And it was nice to just forget about everything, whether it be like just the hecticness of the Christmas holiday and work crap and, you know, just you, feeling you, like just you personally, been, uh, you've yeah. talked about this. You've had a busy second half of the year. So yeah. I'm glad that you guys had a night out and had fun. That that's great. Yeah. So yeah. the last thing that I did, um, over the weekend was, is, uh, something I proposed for the show that, uh, Paul kind of inched away from, um, <laughs> And I won't say, you know, whether or not you just genuinely forgot it. You're like, oh, hopefully he won't bring this up again. But I watched uh, 8-Bit Christmas. Son of a bitch. The show's over. <laughs> no, no. no I just, you, you mentioned it. You mentioned you're going to watch it. That You mentioned you're going to watch it during like uh, Thanksgiving week. So yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Because, uh, But the way... The, Spoiler, everybody, the way this, this, uh, the rest of this month is going to work out, we're going to do one more show and then we're going to be off for Christmas and New Year's and come back. So we're not actually going to get to this movie now, but you watched it. So, and I yeah. think after making you watch the wizard, um, yeah. So how, how was it? How was a bit Christmas? So it was just okay. Um, and, and that's the thing that I think could have made an interesting discussion is, is that, you know, one of the criticisms I've heard is, is that, you know, we're all worried about, 
the member berries, you know, those things being marketed to us. Like I, I remember specifically when I was talking about, uh, uh, the Netflix, um, R.L. Stein uh, Fear Street movies, you know, the first one that's set in the 90s, I complained about the fact that, like, they wanted to hit us so hard to make us think that, you know, to remind us that it's supposed to be the 90s, that they hit us with, like, 10 classic 90s songs within, like, I don't know, 15 minutes. It, and I was like, okay, you guys can let up on the 90s score. We get it. It's it's 1994. I get it. Um, this actually... I, I didn't really feel like it was okay. So the plot is about, uh, you know, Neil Patrick Harris's character is telling his daughter about how he got a Nintendo when he was younger. Um, and it's sort of like his quest to get a Nintendo in. So if you, if you look at it that way, you're like, okay, it's already primed for that kind of thing. But I felt like the things that were technically quote unquote member berries within the story, were apropos to the time, although I'm going to say this with a cavat. Cavat is that the right word? Uh, uh, condition. Um, so one, they talk about the power glove uh, that plays prominently into the movie. Uh, however, it's not right for the time period that it's set in. It's it's introduced before it actually would have actually made it out into the market. Um, Although it's all for the joke of being like, there was one great, you know, uh, how, did, how does he put it in the movie? He's like, there's one great lie that was told to our generation. And we soon discovered that the power glove sucked. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. So I let that one slide. And then his sister wants a Cabbage Patch doll. And it's supposed to be late 80s. And I'm like, well, the Cabbage Doll craze was like from 83 to 85. Um, I... I, I guess it's playing loose with time. I guess I can kind of forgive this, but I, I then compared it to, you know, certain things like say stand by me. You know, I didn't grow up in the fifties. I've always said that, you know, stand by me is the movie that feels like what it is to grow up and be a little boy at that age. Like, I think that that movie is just pitch perfect for being in that between age of being a boy and sort of starting to get into the cusp of being a teenager and going off to high school kind of thing. Um, you know, they mention you know, in that movie, like, uh, would Mighty Mouse, be, Mighty Mouse be able to beat up Superman? They talk about Pez Candy. They talk about Annette Funicello's breasts on the, the uh, Mickey Mouse Club. So, like, are those member berries? They weren't for me because I wasn't around during that time. But were people turned off by that, you know, in 1985 when that movie came out? Because they're like, they're just mentioning popular things from the 50s. Like, in, in that context, I don't think that this movie is that. We'll put it that way. Um, does it lean heavy into some of the 80s stuff? Yes. But, like, sometimes there are jokes that go with it. For instance, he's describing his friends to his daughter at the time. And he's like, you know, oh, you know, we all had uh, – and it, this personally was – I was kind of also this kid. He's like, oh, you know, my one friend so-and-so, he he saw every R-rated movie. You know, he was the only one of us who got to see every R-rated movie. Not that I got to see every R-rated movie, but I've talked about the fact that my brother worked at the movie theater, so I saw a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have. Um, and that was funny to me because I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I guess I kind of was the kid who was seeing stuff that no one else was. Um, he has another friend who's like, you know, his line was always uh, he probably had to go. And then it cuts to the kid. and He's like, yeah, I probably got to get going. <laughs> and those types of jokes work for me. But overall, the movie doesn't it has a overly saccharine ending that it doesn't earn. 
And that was my biggest problem with it. Like you'll probably you would probably walk away from it being like Steve's crazy. This is totally a member Barry's movie. But <sighs> I mean, the things maybe. that happen in it yeah. are I think are kind of true to the time with the exception of the things that they they clearly miss up uh, mess up time wise. But the bigger problem is, is that it has an ending that it doesn't earn. And I was disappointed by that because there's some good jokes in it. Um, and there's some, some really interesting ideas in it. Um, you know, like when he's telling his daughter, his daughter about certain things, like, uh, he's like, you know, I was riding my bike. She's like, were you wearing a helmet? And he's, you know, he's, it's a flashback. So you're seeing him as a kid riding it without a helmet. And he's like, of course we wore helmets. And then suddenly a helmet appears on his head and stuff like that. I found to be really funny. Um, it was just a disappointment because I was really excited for the movie. And, uh, I, I wish that it had been better constructed to trying. If it's going to give us the ending, it does. I wish it had been better constructed to make that ending ring truer to what we get. Fair enough. So I'm going to put this to you uh, here. The ending to the wizard, uh, when we find out that the younger brother, what California was, mm-hmm. is that a better ending? Because at least uh, versus this versus. Uh, yeah, cause at know. least that's introduced in like the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, so what you're saying is that you now retroactively, you like the wizard a great deal. <laughs> I said that I liked it better I'm, than I'm I thought kidding. I would. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> the wiz, the wizard is what it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm not what's trying interesting to... though, is when you said the wizard, I was thinking wizards, the animated uh, oh, films. No, and the, like, no, no one should ever. Oh, here's some fighting words. No one should ever watch that movie. <laughs> That's the fighting <laughs> words. That's going to happen. So, all right. Um, all right. So did anything else happen over your very, very busy weekend? Yeah. Those were those were the main three things. Uh, you know, please go check out the uh, art show at Comic and uh, Carol and John's Comics. Uh, Pat Noswell, if you guys get a chance to see him, hilarious live in person. And Eight uh, Bit Christmas, just okay. All right, so there you go. It's it's been I don't know an hour plus of weekend and food talk. And um, yeah, before we get the news, I think it's important that you guys all hear this. I'd sure like to fist him. All right, let's get to some news. Good news, everyone. All right, so uh, the news um, is that Netflix um, has been in the game of adapting uh, video game franchises um, like the Castlevania series, which... Uh, I watched the first season. It was great. I need to get back and actually watch the next two uh, seasons that I've heard nothing great, like nothing but great things about. Um, they're actually doing a live action Mega Man movie that's still in the works. And Steve, I know that you know something about Mega Man a little bit. Um, when I hear that it's live action, I'm like, well, this could be kind of fun, but I'm also like, but you have like, like we just talked about National Universe and like that animation house that's done that in Castlevania. I'm like, why not just do a Mega Man animated series? But here we go. It's going to be a live action Mega Man series from Netflix. Sorry, movie. Wow. I, you know, I don't know how I, I mean, I guess it's not crazy enough that like special effects, sure. They can do that now, but like that does feel like a CGI or uh, not CGI. Isn't the correct word, but a, a 3d animated series, uh, or even a traditional animated series would be more prime for that. Um, 
So let me ask you this is is somebody who's still very heavy in the video games is Mega Man still a presence or is he still or is he sort of like Mega Man was the shit 30 years ago? No, they still they keep releasing like so what's happened and I'm going to get my timelines wrong and I'm not going to get the dates here. So forgive me, everybody. Um, They have like so the Mega Man series has followed a couple different uh, trajectory trajectories trajectories. That's the word. Hey, drinking. Um, over the course of time with the character, but the original Mega Man series that you know, they eventually started making official sequels to that Mega Man. And they've put out like, was like, like 10, 10, 11, 12 since then. So they've kind of gone back to the eight bit look. Um, and because they can do the eight bit, but it's not like they can kind of flex it and make it like, like it looks like an eight bit game, but some of the, the programming and the abilities have changed. So it still kind of has that vibe and the soundtrack, but you know, the ability to make video games is much stronger now. So they've, they've, they've kind of, you know, expanded it a little bit. So yeah, like Mega Man's still a thing. Um, so it's still pertinent and Capcom has a vested interest in this. Um, I just, I don't know how I feel about a live action version. However, I just say, if you've seen, if you want a live action version of Mega Man, go watch Turbo Kid. I think that's a much better representation of what this could be. You know, it's funny that you say that because what was what I was thinking of initially when you said that was uh, I was like, oh, I guess this could work live action if you gave it to somebody like, uh, you know, um, oh, I can't believe him, Edgar Wright. Uh, you know, if you've seen Scott Pilgrim, oh yeah, like that'd I could be a lot see of that fun. being something that he could do uh, really, really well. But when you point out Turbo Kid, I'm like, oh yeah, that's. <laughs> or Get even those guys, they whoever just... whoever directed uh, Big Hero Six, that'd be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I think they're like that. That's also animation, but yeah, like um, yeah, the the group that there's a collective that did uh, uh, Turbo Kid and what was it, Summer '84? I forget their name right off the top of my head. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you can't do this, but it's like if you're gonna do it that way, then you're gonna make it gritty, <laughs> you know? And it's like, like um, you know. I, I Mega Man's one of my favorite video game franchises and I like I mean meaning that I you know we talk about Christmas stuff like one of my one of my favorite Christmas memories was waking up early and finding a copy of Mega Man 2 and I played the hell out of that and then 3 um and I my my ringtone is still um one of the like sound cues from Mega Man 2 um like I always love there's this concept of getting stronger by defeating your opponent. That's very prevalent in Mega Man. Like, you know, you beat a boss, you get their weapon, you move on. So you certainly have a diversified like arsenal as you go forward. And then you get to Dr. Wily. It's like, yeah, but I have eight other weapons I can bring out. Something about that. I really, really dig as a, a game design. And it's kind of like a, um, like a life philosophy. Like I'm not trying to be like, you know what, everybody, you know, screw Jesus, screw all those other religions. You should bow down to Mega Man. But I'm not saying that, but like, I like the idea of overcoming, defeating those that oppose you and you take something from them and you learn it and you get better. I will always dig that. I don't know how that's going to come out in a movie. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's, and again, we've talked about video game adaptations and the strengths and successes and the weaknesses yeah. of them. Uh, usually they more fall on their keys than anything else. But, you know, I, I do wonder since it is such a big property, like how they're going to distill it down. And I, I do think that you, you know, it, it, like if you told me like, Oh, Lord Miller, we're doing this to be like, okay, 
makes sense, you know, um, or like I said, Edgar Wright or, you know, um, so it's not, it's not impossible for them to, to make it good. Uh, but I, I do wonder also if, and, and this is just the cynic in me, if it's the fact that streaming services at this point are all trying to gobble up IP, you yeah. know, I, I don't mean to, I'm not throwing shade at Mega Man, but I, I do wonder, is this something that would exist if it weren't now just an IP war with everybody trying to get the biggest guns that they possibly can? That's to? fair. And, and the story here is very thin. It's just, uh, you know, uh, a robot, sorry, a doctor made a robot. He actually made two robots to kind of be like, you know, household servants. They were named rock and roll, you know, for whatever. And then, um, after some of his other utilitary, um, formed robots, like, you know, they were all supposed to perform like, you know, tasks to help the world. And then, uh, Dr. Wiley came in and corrupted the majority of them. So then Dr. Light's like, Hey, rock. What if I make you the Mega Man to go fight after all of them? So it's a very thin, it's, it's a super thin storyline. Fine. I don't need nuance. But you mentioned Scott Pilgrim where you have somebody that he does go on a journey. And I know like one day, one day we're going to talk about that film. Steve, I'm sorry. One day we're going to talk about it. Um, I, <laughs> but but I want to talk about because Edgar Wright actually took like an entire graphic novel series and condensed it down to a movie that actually make like it actually all kind of fits together. Uh, but you have Scott like fighting all like you know the ex boyfriends. They're all boss battles, right? That's like like if you you mentioned Edgar Wright directing this, I would love an Edgar Wright directed Mega Man. We're not going to get it. Um, supposedly, um, when it was, was announced in 2018. We ended up having, um, oh, Henry Joost and uh, Ariel Schulman were confirmed to write and direct the film. They're the ones that carried forward. Well, they're the ones that started the Catfish series on MTV, and they made the film Catfish. Your mileage may vary. Uh, they also directed Paranormal Activity 3 and 4. So, And they also did that uh, Project Power that was on Netflix, like what was, what, what was um, Jamie Foxx and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which I've not seen didn't get good reviews. So I'm iffy, but I hope that their passion comes through. I mean, it's Mega Man. Like I love Mega Man. I love the idea of, you know, arm cannon, cool soundtracks. Some of, some of my favorite eight bit soundtracks are for Mega Man. Cause like they talk about working within like a limited range. I love some of the, some of the music in these games and I don't need this to be a wink and you know it movie. Cause if that's the case then I'm checked out, but like, like the goal I've, I, like the goal, I think of any video game adaptation, which is what's been the goal of these comic book adaptations, which will feed into our conversation later is you, if you're coming to this without having read the source material or played the games, you still need to know enough about the character and enjoy what you're watching. And right now I've not been shown that this is what we're going to get with this. So as much as I love the character and it's kind of one of those things that I've kind of like folded into myself, you know, of like, you know, overcome, be better, take what you know and move forward. Um, I don't have faith in this, but Netflix is putting money in. So just between like between you, me, the trees, everybody listening, I'm going to watch this regardless. And hopefully I'm happy. Question mark. <laughs> 
Hopefully I'm questioned. Um, hopefully, hopefully I'm questioned. Happy Mark. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I can't speak really to because I don't know really the lore. Um, but I I I hope that they have fun with it for yes. I don't mean to make it sound like uh, everything needs to be light and breezy, but it's certainly not something that that I look at and I'm like, you know what this needs? It needs to be dark and gritty. You know, I it, it feels like it, it should be uh, a fun adventure as opposed to, you know, it should be Indiana Jones as opposed to, say, The Dark Knight. We'll put it that way. Well, yeah. And it's like also like Mega Man when he like, do you remember Captain N, the the cartoon series? Oh, yeah. Mega Man was in that. And he sounded like um, uh, Buster Poindexter. And it was weird. Like. It, like he also was drawn like a man baby. I didn't like any of that. Like the color didn't make sense of his outfit. And it's like, none of it was like, all right, well that's what we're doing now. Like, but I don't know. I think this would be, I think this would be way better suited to like an animated, like limited series. Um, Cause then I also gives you time to kind of let things breathe a little bit like, but whatever we're getting a movie. And like, I, all I could ever hope for is that this is like turbo kid, meets psycho Goreman, which is not going to happen. Like I want, cause the, like all the, the, um, boss characters that psycho Goreman ended up fighting aren't that far afield from like Mega Man fights. You know what I mean? Like in terms of like there, there's a washing machine full of blood with the skull as a face. There we go. He's going to fight him. Like, you know, <laughs> like just whatever. Like, yeah, I wish those, I wish that guy and uh, the company like Astron six, like the, like the bulk of them would make a Mega Man movie that no one would ever watch. It'd be my favorite Mega Man movie ever. <laughs> I don't know that that's a, a good business model, but I, 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 definitely I don't care. I just want to watch it. Entertain me. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So, um, we're going to get, we're going to get a good video game, like, um, adaptation soon. And, you know, you, there's too many attempts at it, right? Like, um, uh, HBO is spending so much money on the last of us, uh, adaptation. You have uh, Pedro Pascal playing Joel. You have, um, Oh, what's her name? The young, uh, Mormont. What's her name? The young girl that was of uh, house Mormont. Oh my God. I, but you I know what I'm talking about, right? The young lady. My, I know what you're talking yeah, about. She's playing, she's playing Ellie in that. Um, you, they've just announced, uh, Nick Offerman as another character that from the first game, like, um, there's so much work going into this that, you don't need like I I cannot wait like we're going to talk about this at some point in the podcast. Um, I cannot wait for to to dive into the Last of Us with you. Like they're spending like on par with each episode of what they spent on the Game of Thrones, like for the Last of Us at HBO. So I yeah they're, they're, we're going to get um, like and, and people say Castlevania has been like the 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 best one so far and it's animated and I'm all about it and it's great. Um, but there's going to be that crossover, right? There's going to be that one thing that everyone's going to be like, Oh shit. Did you just happen? It's like, yeah, it's a game. We've been playing it for forever, right? It's coming because they cracked the code for comic adaptations. This is the next one. It's coming. So it's not going to be the Baker man film, unfortunately, but it's coming. Okay. I was just, I was looking up some information here and I, I didn't get to where I wanted to be, but yeah, I, I don't yeah. necessarily know that, uh, I, I can't, I keep coming back to the idea of, well, 
is it just that um and, and you can tell me if i'm wrong video game experience is more rewarding than watching it as a movie you know is is there going to be a movie that's going to be satisfied that's satisfying to the uh the video game player you know is it, is it nothing Every, but cut scenes like no it's, and it's, will that be satisfying did you did you get that though i use the term cut scenes uh, and, well, no, and, you, uh, steve come on i know you know what cut scenes are but like i just um no it's like one of those things where like oh so so didn't use a grapple hook blah blah blah, blah, blah. it's like I, who cares can you give me i mean evidently <laughs> unbeknownst to you and i the sonic the hedgehog films are actually pretty fun like or the detective pikachu I have not seen either. I'm good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. Um, but like, and I don't know if those are the triumphs that they're like, you know, people have talked about, but and I know that there's the Tom Holland led uncharted film coming next year. Like it's coming. There's going to be that breakthrough that people, people will come to the, to the movie, the property, like movie, TV series, whatever, and fall in love with it and be like, Oh, there's this other thing behind it that we've all gotten with comic books eventually. And we've gotten with like, um, like books, right? Like, like someone's going to crack the code. It's going to happen. And I think it's going to happen sooner than later. And I don't think Mega Man's going to do it, but, um, I'm going to watch it. And then I'll be sad when I text you and Joe about it. Okay. <laughs> so I'll be looking eagerly towards that text. <laughs> all right. So, um, what else do we have here? Uh, so I, I, this, I got a second story. We don't need three. Um, here, here is the headline for you. Um, family finds venomous snakes slithering in their Christmas tree. Ooh, a wildlife like snakes on a plane, snake, snake on a snakes tree. on a tree. Yeah. A wildlife rescuer in South Africa was summoned to the home in which a family found a venomous snake slithering in their branches of their Christmas tree. Um, Gary Hens. Odor of Reptile Rescue Services, Snake Lives Matter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Said he was uh, called to a home near McGregor in Western Cape area, South Africa, when the residents spotted a venomous boomslang in their tree. Uh, Steve, I don't like, I'm, I'm going to refer to you as a venomous boom slang from here on out. Uh, Hans said he arrived at the home nine minutes later to find the snake still slithering in the branches. Uh, he posted the video on his business's uh, uh, his business YouTube channel. The rescuer later posted a second video showing the serpent being released in the wild. Uh, they said that the incident marked the first try first time he'd been called to remove a snake from a Christmas tree. Um, I believe that the snake has unfinished business. It's going to come back because its name is a boom slang. So, <laughs> like a boomerang. Yeah. Or a boomerang arrow, right. boomerang arrow, if you will. So, yeah. So, <laughs> what, so in terms of like your holiday uh, decorations, like what's the what's the worst thing you've run into in terms of? Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying a snake, but like you know, I know you, I know you guys get festive. Has there ever been like a Christmas, um, um, you know, um, decoration story that you've run into? Not really, no. I mean, usually it's just being worried about uh, one of the dogs eating something off the tree mm. or the cats knocking it down. Usually those are the main concerns. Um, but yeah, nothing nothing too crazy. Uh, certainly nothing on the level of a snake. But uh, uh, we didn't actually even put up the Christmas tree this year. We have a small ceramic Christmas tree because we're still unpacking and... Uh, 
I'm, I'm not kidding at this point that I think it will be this this time next year before we're unpacked. But uh, uh, yeah, we're we're just doing the uh, small Christmas ceramic tree and no other decorations. <laughs> we're both tired, and we're just both like we need to unpack the house uh, before we start decorating for something like this. So, uh, which is not what happened with Halloween because we, of course, threw Halloween decorations up, but Christmas, we're just keeping it low, low key this year. You, do you have a, an interesting story? Well, uh, two things. One, um, my wife has bought a smaller, um, battery operated Christmas tree that we, it's like, it's like maybe a foot tall that she has sitting, um, to the right of our TV. So the cats can't get to it. There's like, like tiny bulbs cause she wants a tree and then she's decorated, um, uh, the, um, area between our living room and the dining room, like the, the, the arch, it's not an arch, but you know, it's squared off. So she put garland up there and some stuff so the cats can't get to it. Uh, so that's where we're at with that. But the one, so I think it was the same Christmas that I got Mega Man too. Um, uh, we, we awoke and my mom found out that our one dog took a shit between us and Christmas presents. So there you go. It's like, Merry Christmas. There's dog shit here between presents. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh so hard, but oh my God. <laughs> Someone, someone wanted to make sure that we got coal in our stockings and that, that like, yeah. So yeah. Um, so evidently the, like our one dog did not get taken out at the proper time during the, like the night and they took a shit and like around a Christmas present. So I like to believe that's a commentary though on Christmas. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, real, real, real quick. Not quick at all. Says Paul later. Um, so one of the things that would always happen around Christmas was that my younger brother and myself would always get bikes, right? We get bikes like a couple years in a row, we get like bicycles and it was great. But then what would happen is, is that my younger brother would ride his bike into like, just, just, just destroy it. And so then it's me being, you know, overweight kid that didn't want to do anything with a bike. Um, like he would uh, take that bike and then he also run in the dirt. So he'd kind of like piece together a bike, like a Frankenstein bike. And his, his birthday was September. So he'd get like maybe a bike for Christmas. Sorry, his birthday. And so that he like eventually Frankenstein three bikes together. And then Christmas, we get a bike like each of us. And then my parents figured out that like, it was just my younger brother destroying bikes, like riding them too hard and doing stunts. So they stopped buying me a bike. Oh, <laughs> they weren't wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, yeah. <laughs> That's what would happen. I'd be like, oh, thanks. There's hills around, and I don't want to do that shit, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I feel bad for you. <laughs> Well, Steve, if you want to buy me a bike for Christmas, I can tell you that I won't use it. I can tell you that right now. All right. All right. A bike for Paul's Christmas. I mean, I might. Cleveland's a lot flatter than West Virginia. I'll just tell you that. So, because, you know, like you, bikes are great when you're going downhill, but when you're going uphill, it was a son of a bitch, you know? So I'll just say that. Um, so yeah, going out and about riding a bike for a minute, it was great. And then you'd be like, oh, I have to pedal uphill. And so you do that thing where you pedal for a bit and then you get off and just walk your bike up to the top of the hill. Cause you know, who has the endurance to actually bike all the way up like healthy people screw that. <laughs> That's fair. 
<laughs> so I, I guess my my last thing on this is while I don't have anything tree related or ornament related, uh, did you guys have like one person who like handed out the gifts in your house, like when you were growing up? Like no. Oh, but what was what was your here? Just now, let's just stretch this episode out. You know, like what was your Christmas Eve tradition? So, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, when I was real little was go to grandma's, uh, open up gifts with grandma and have dinner and then come home and we were allowed to open up one gift. Uh, and the reason that we were allowed to open up one gift was, and I, I, it's weird because this is apparently more of a tradition with a lot of people that I didn't realize, but my dad's birthday was the 24th of, of December. So Christmas Eve was his birthday. And I was always told that it was because he felt guilty getting gifts, you know, uh, the day before. Um, so let, let all the, you know, let the kids open something up. So we would open one gift on Christmas Eve. Um, and that tradition stayed even after he passed. Uh, but, uh, you know, that was, that was kind of the big thing was we got to open one gift on Christmas Eve. We would have to go to Christmas mass at, uh, I think they called it midnight mass, but it was uh, eleven o'clock uh, to midnight mass. Uh, except for the year that uh, my uh, stepfather thought that I was faking having an asthma attack, and then I spent <laughs> the rest of the night in the hospital. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. That's I shouldn't laugh at that. But no, I had never had asthma before, and it was, uh, you know basically conditional upon me getting like bronchitis and whatever. And it was something that would like later become more of a thing, but I had never had a history of it. And I had my, my mom was working the second shift at the hospital. So it was just me and my stepdad going to church. And I told him, I'm like, I don't feel well. Can I please like, you know, can I just skip church? And he just thought I was trying to get out of church. And then, so I, he makes me go to church and I come home and like, he's like, do you want to open a gift and, you know, wait for your mom? I'm like, no, I don't feel well. And I want to go to bed. And he's like, Oh, there's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got taken to the hospital. My mom was ending her shift. I'm in the ER and, uh, they're like working on me with like a nebulizer and all that stuff. I don't mean working on me. Like they're not opening my chest cavity or anything, but they you know, didn't take like a ballpoint pen, remove um, <laughs> like the pen part and just stab it in your lung to reinflate the lung. Okay. So uh long story short, uh, I ended up spending Christmas Eve in uh, the hospital <laughs> that year. Uh, I came home at like five in the morning. My sister and brother had been up all night. So we just literally opened gifts when I came home that morning. Um, you know, I, I can only imagine like thinking back on it now, like, you know, my mom had just worked, you know, an either eight or 12 hour shift at the hospital um, and then having to stay there with her kid and just I'm sure being worried to death about me uh, was probably extremely hard on her and something that now I wish she was here that I could just say, you know, thank you, not only for just being a good parent, but also like thank you for all the probably like sleepless nights that you had and you know, having to sit in a hospital uh, where you work uh, because you're worried about your son on Christmas Eve. Um, But uh, uh, I had a, I had a point to the story. I was going somewhere with it. You asked me Christmas Eve traditions. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the the, the main one that went awry. Uh, um, (laughs) We'll put it that way. And, uh, but that was pretty much it. You know, we got to open one gift per Christmas Eve and, 
um, depending upon what was happening, uh, you know, we would, yeah, for the most part, go to my grandma's and, until she had dementia and was put in home. So, oh wow, that's dark. Sad I thought you'd be. I thought you were gonna be like until she deemed it was appropriate to open presents. And then you went. And you, I'm sorry, you you swerved there. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Like I, whew, all right. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Fine. I I will take your your um, dark tidings, and I will I will match you some dark tidings. Uh, this isn't a Christmas story. This is a Thanksgiving story. When I was in college. Um, I went to school in Western Pennsylvania, um, a friend of the show, Richard, we went to school together. He will, he will appreciate the slope, the slope of the Hills in the story. I was walking down, um, from our, for the, our liberal arts, like the, the art building, like, um, where the radio station was, I was walking down this Hill going towards our cafeteria and I was trying to like, I don't know. I saw a bumper sticker on the back of a car and I, like it was faded. And I was trying to understand what it said. <laughs> Um, yeah, you should laugh at that. That's terrible. And as I was walking, <laughs> as I was walking, I missed a part of the con, like the sidewalk cause it had broken away. And yeah. I just completely just, just twist my left ankle, just co- like boom down on the ground. And some other people picked me up. They're like, yeah, you okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Whatever. I'm fine. Like, just cause I fell down because I was trying to read a bumper sticker. I didn't want to admit to that. <laughs> um, I ended up hobbling my way down to the cafeteria, like in so much pain. And it was like, you know, I grabbed like, I don't know what it was like, one or two food items. And I sit down with my friend circle at the time. And one of my friends is a nursing major. And I was like, I was like, Hey, what do you know about sprained ankle? She's like, like, are you okay? And I'm like, look, I have like a plate and like, I don't know, I'm like a carton of milk. Like I like, look at me. Is, is this what I normally, like as well as things where I'm like, I, I, I was a tank ass then. I'm like, like this should be covered in pierogies and onions and cheese. Like I'm not like, I'm not feeling well. She's like, did you did something happen? I'm like, I don't, did you see me limping all the way through the lunch line anyway? So um, I go to our, the, like the registered nurse at our college and she's like, and it was this lady who um, was close to retirement, and she had, um, oh, um, uh, what was it? She had uh, carpal tunnel on her wrists, so she couldn't really help me because um, she had, like, the wrist braces, and my ankle was, like, all messed up. So she was trying to wrap my ankle when she was close to retirement. It couldn't really wrap my ankle. They're like, we have to call an ambulance to get you to the local hospital. I'm like, okay. So the two of us, she couldn't use her hands. I couldn't use my foot um, get me over to this hospital and I'm sitting and because it's like, like Thanksgiving Eve, uh, nobody's there. So I'm in the ER with just a twisted ankle. Um, oh, you know, and I end up in a room that's in the cardiac wing. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I have, like, I have the curtain pulled and I'm just sitting there with my twisted ankle. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, like, what did I do? Why, like, why did I choose to try to read a bumper sticker? And, um, there was uh, a gentleman who, um, the doctor came in and was like, Hey, yeah. Um, basically he found out that he had a cardiac event and couldn't come home for Thanksgiving. And so I'm sitting there with this curtain drawn and I can hear everything. And he, the doctor told him, is like, yeah, you need to let them know that you're going to be here for a bit. So he had to tell his family why he couldn't come home for Thanksgiving. And I'm just like, but my ankle is messed up. Can I just go home now? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, like, 
Like, um, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to die doing something stupid like that. I'm sure it'll be like, you know, <laughs> trying to read something that I can't see just out of focus or. Yep. Uh, I, just, you know, I just, I completely just collapsed trying to read a bumper sticker. So everybody. Or I won't have my cheaters on and there'll be a very important sign. I'm like, I got most of it. And then I walk into like a, just an open elevator. Yeah, I'm, I'll be like, well, who put the bump in the bump? She bump, she bump. And I'll just fall down. It's fine. You know, whatever. So yeah, that was like one of my worst Thanksgiving like experiences ever. Just sitting there in a room with just a busted ankle, hoping for the best. <laughs> you know, and overhearing a family. Why, you know, uh Papa is not coming home for Thanksgiving. Yeah, it was pretty bad. All right. Well, I got a Thanksgiving story, even though we're past sure. Thanksgiving. Let me well, let me hit this up. We're never going to talk about uh, my life as a weapon, but uh, my life a quick... as a twisted ankle. Continue. <laughs> no, uh, I uh, I had a uh, abscess tooth uh, oh, no. Thanksgiving night. Uh, went to sleep. Woke up like two or three hours later, uh, and my like half of my face had swollen to the size of like a watermelon. Ugh. And my mom's like, you need to go to the emergency room now. So you need to listen to every grandfather that can't come home for Thanksgiving now. <laughs> so, yeah, I ended up uh, hanging out in the emergency room and then giving me antibiotics till uh, my face would swell had, had gone down enough that I could leave. And then uh, I was on a steady diet of antibiotics until I could have that tooth pulled. So. <sighs> Yeah, uh, fun Thanksgiving stuff. So okay, well you win for because you have face stuff. I um, yeah, I don't have that. I, I had to well, make it almost sound sexual. Was it hand stuff? Was it no? It was was this foot stuff versus your face stuff? So you win that. Um, no, like I mean, I've ha- I I had my um my wisdom teeth like just like they were going to shit because you know their wisdom teeth. I had to get them all pulled at once. That, but that's not like I wasn't in pain. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's like oh, mine was really a result of being just shit ass poor and not going to a dentist. That's really oh. uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, like I'm in a better spot financially, but dentists are like I, they scare me. So like, anyway, so um, I I remember the one time I was at a dentist, the guy was trying to talk to me. He was like, "Don't give me a root canal," and he kept talking to me. I heard like I heard the drill and I smelled bone burning. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. ugh, ugh. <laughs> like I couldn't say anything. It was, <laughs> yeah, so I've been traumatized by a dentist, but yeah, no, your your Thanksgiving story is, um, whew, that is that is something. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you've experienced holiday trauma. Well, let me let me just let me just say this real quick then to, to end on a Please. cheery note. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the things that my mom would do every year was say, like, you know, I hope you had a good Christmas. You know, I know you didn't get everything and she would say this to me like into my 20s like i know you didn't get a, get everything that you asked for and i'm like mom i have had an amazing christmas and i got to come home and enjoy good food and be with you and uh just hang out and you know you 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 bought me more than than i should have gotten you know like whatever stupid thing i was asking for that year i always got so i never I never felt, you know, like, ooh, the one Christmas I didn't get this, like, you know, I'm sure that probably happens, you know, when I was like five, you know, and I asked for stupid shit, like, you know, I want to be an astronaut, buy me a rocket, like, <laughs> I know. want, I want three different pogo balls, one for the week, like one for the weekend, and just one to noodle around on. 
you know, and I'm, I, I don't have kids, but I'm sure it's something that's just ingrained in all parents where you're like, oh, I don't feel like I did enough for my kid for Christmas this year or whatever. But my mom was always so conscious of it. I'm like, mom, I had an amazing Christmas and I got to eat ham and macaroni salad and really, uh, just gorge myself. Steve, so it's, how it's many, good. how many hams do I, should I bring to you on Christmas day? <laughs> Bring me all the ham. Okay. Well, <laughs> like between you, me and the trees, you might get a lot of ham on Christmas day. And, um, I know, I know your wife's a vegan and maybe we'll do. Uh, oh Jesus. Yeah. It's just me. I can't, let's not like something I can like, uh, share with people. So, you have uh, dogs. They like ham, right? <laughs> My wife would kill me if she caught me feeding <laughs> ham to the dogs. All right. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll do like um, like a uh, pineapple juice and uh, stevia soaked like uh, tofu or tofurkey or something, uh, um, which I'm fine with. I'm not judging, but maybe maybe we'll surprise you with some Christmas hams. How about that? Multiple <laughs> multiple Christmas hams. Oh my god, I'm scared now. <laughs> scared and kind and kind of turned on. I understand. All right, so. All right, let's, let's instead of talking ham dogs, let's talk a little bit about a pizza dog. And now for our feature presentation. Okay, so for this evening's uh, feature presentation, I had suggested to Paul that we read the trade paperback uh, My Life is a Weapon, which is the collection of the first five issues of the Hawkeye miniseries from 2012 2013. Uh, and it also includes a uh, issue of Young Avengers Presents number six. Um, this is, if you guys have seen the Marvel uh, Disney Plus Hawkeye show, um, just looking at the cover of the trade of this, you can see why this is something that uh, they are heavily, they're marketing pretty heavily uh, in the style of this comic. Um Typically, when we talk about comics, a lot of times we tend to focus a little bit more on the story uh, because, unfortunately, this isn't a visual medium. It's a podcast. So we tend to focus a little bit more on the story. But I, I want to start off here first with talking about uh, the people who worked on it. Obviously, issues one through three of My Life is a Weapon uh, were uh, drawn by uh, David Aja. Uh, issues four through five are drawn through by uh, Javier Paludo and uh, Young Avengers number six, which is the sixth issue that makes up this trade, is uh, drawn by uh, Alan Davis, who is uh, pretty much a legend in the industry at this point, I think. Um, but this is all written by Matt Fraction. Um, and what Matt Fraction did here with Hawkeye is he kind of revitalized the character, I think, in a way that I, a lot of people hadn't seen the character. Um, and it's much different than the version that's in Disney Plus right now or in its cinematic universe. Excuse me. Um, but uh, in, in regards to that, uh, we'll probably have a few... My, I don't even know if they're technically spoilers because there are differences between this and the cinematic version of Hawkeye. But the way that they've tried to interpret this into the new series, I think that this is a good place to start with talking about uh, the character as a whole, I guess. You know, the differences between the two versions, but also um, 
I mentioned earlier that I want to kind of spotlight the artist first here. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that in mind, I'm just going to start off by, by talking about the graphic design of the book. Well, um, I'm going to stop you right here. Like if people are all, um, if they have trepidation about us, like edging into uh, the Disney plus series, I'm going to throw all these out here right now. Do you know why they are called spoilers? I don't think we're going to get deep in the woods on this, like like in terms of the series versus the comic. However, you you chose this because there's a lot of people saying this is what has been the source material for the Disney Plus series, which is not yet wrapped up. However, I think it's worthy of discussion. So please, just if you guys are, if you don't, I don't know what we're going to say next. You know, well, like, okay, so, so yes. let me just say this here. I don't think that there's any spoilers for the Disney Plus show. We'll put it that way. That's fair. I think that the comparisons that can be made are the fact that Hawkeye in the cinematic universe and Hawkeye in the comics are almost two completely different characters. I agree. And it's interesting to see how they've adapted this story for the cinematic version. Um, and it obviously introduced Kate Bishop as well. Who's one of the main characters of the Hawkeye series. Uh, that's now also airing. Um, I almost said on Disney plus, I feel like we should get some sort of sponsorship, uh, from Disney plus or some sort of kickback, but, uh, here's the Disney plus sponsorship. I'd sure like to fist him. Plus. <laughs> no, I just, I don't, I just, I want to at least give people a heads up. If like, if they, like, I mean, spoiler, Hawkeye shoots arrows and right. <laughs> spoiler, Kate Bishop shoots arrows. But I also want to respect, like, you know, if people, if they've suffered through all of our food talk and our Christmas talk earlier, <laughs> and they don't want to be spoiled by Hawkeye, the series, which I don't think that anything we're going to say is going to be spoilerific. However, you know, like just, I wanted to give them a chance to dip out, like, you know, I think that's fair. That's all. Like, like if you if you don't know the comic, which is completely fine, because I, we're going to get more into this in a second. Um, Hawkeye is a character, um, you know, I don't know much about. And Steve recommended this, and I read it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but if you only you know Hawkeye from the movies and now, like, a couple episodes of the series, and that's where you want to keep it, yeah, dip out now. Come back later when we uh, play our game. And, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Okay, so one of the reasons that I recommended this was uh, because while we were watching Hawkeye the series, and I don't think this is a spoiler at all, but for those of you who have at least seen the promos for it, you know that there is a dog with one eye uh, that is called Pizza Dog. Uh, My wife being, you know, very much a Golden Retriever lover, and actually the, the dog that's in the show looks very much like our dog who's now gone grace mm-hmm. um she actually had to have an eye removed at one point um uh towards the end of her life so it's even more like oh my god it looks like our dog grace uh but my wife is like what's the backstory on on pizza dog and i realized i started recounting the the story for her and i, I got about halfway through and i realized i didn't have all the details and i i was mixing the two um the two stories with uh, my life is a weapon and uh, the episode of, of uh, Futurama, which I think is luck of the Fryrish. Maybe I'm wrong on that. <laughs> well, no, no, uh, you're talking about um, the luck of the Fryrish is the one with his brother. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But you're talking about the one with, um, Oh, what's the name of the dog? Um, oh shit. Um, Cecil. That's not right. What's the name of the, the dog? No. Um, and I, I, 
I apologize that I'm blanking on that now, but uh, I'm gonna Google as you're talking. Fry's dog is because <laughs> yeah. um, I was like, oh, the, you know, the dog hangs outside of a, a pizza shop and like helps Hawkeye, and Hawkeye rescues the dog, but the dog gets hurt. And Seymour, uh, Seymour, yeah, Diesel and Seymour are not that far off. So good on Jurassic you. Bark um, is the name of the episode you're talking about. Jurassic Luck of the Fryerish is the one with him and his brother, with Fry's brother. Yeah. Anyway, continue. But I had realized that I'm like, I'm looking at all the visuals of the series and I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is all so, you know, based on this comic. But I hadn't read it in years. And I was like, you know what? Uh, once I, I looked it up and I realized how far flung, how far astray I'd gone with my uh, description to my wife with, you know, the backstory of Pizza Dog. I'm like, well, A, I need to reread this. Um, and, and B, I had discovered there were a lot of things that are in this series that are in the Disney Plus series that uh, are sort of flipped on their head in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, we'll start from just the basic, you know, I wanted to talk about the artist first because we could talk about story afterwards. But, you know, one of the things that if you're looking at this book, uh, graphic design wise, uh, the amount of purple that's used in it and the way that it's used is like the entire marketing campaign for the Disney Plus show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know the ins and outs of this, so I won't speak to it. I don't know what the artists and I also wanted to mention Matt Hollingsworth, who is the colorist on this comic, because so much of that comes into play uh, with the design of not only the show, but this comic. Uh, the use of the per- of purple and the design elements are literally built into not only the opening credits, but the ending credits of Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon. And they're throughout the rest of the series in terms of the way Kate Bishop is trying to get Hawkeye to, quote unquote, uh, have a costume, although he presents it as I shouldn't have a costume. I'm a guy whose job is to kind of not exist. Um, but he needs to be on brand. Is yes. what she said <laughs> during the show? Yes. Uh, but a lot of these elements play into the comics, uh, visuals and a lot of that carries over into the Disney plus series. And I'm, I'm, I certainly hope that, uh, you know, Matt fraction and Dave, uh, David Aja and Matt Hollingsworth and Javier Polito are getting a little bit more than a thank you. And again, I haven't looked into this, so I ha- I don't know what exactly the, you know, pay structure is for something like this. But like visually, the Hawkeye series is very much based on this comic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that I wanted to just point out real quick before we jump into the, the story proper is, is that, uh, David, I think it's Aja. It's either Aja or Aha. Maybe. I think it's Aja. I think it's, I think you're okay. right. Yeah. Um, he, he has a style that is very, I, I, I hate this term because people equate it with, uh, uh, not being good or being, detailed or whatever he's got a minimalist style in that he he doesn't weigh his work down with a lot of unnecessary lines he does all the storytelling on the page but like his characters are very much like david mazzucchelli who did batman year one it's it's very much um sparse detail in order to get across his storytelling and boy does his storytelling ever work um with that in mind, uh, Matt Hollingsworth also really does a bang up job on the colors. This col- this book is colored the way in a way that most books aren't, um, and that's one of the things that I think really attracts me to this book is that um, it's flat colors and, and 
for those of you who are listening at home and don't understand what flat colors are, flat colors means there's no gradations. There's no um, special effects going on with the actual coloring. They're, they're not highlighting every sort of rim light on a muscle um, the way that most modern comic books are colored. This is very much in tune with the coloring of the older processes where you only had 64 colors and you couldn't do gradations. Um, and I'm not saying that it looks old, but I'm saying that the flat colors basically means that there's no other tones on top of it. It's just, you know, if, if purple's being used, it's purple. It's not bleeding into another color. If, um, you know, it's fading into a lighter purple, it's a harsh, great, it's a harsh division, not a gradation. And um, it's again, understandably hard to describe that, as a visual medium on or uh, as a visual on a uh, audible medium. But if you look at the comic, you can, you clearly see right away uh, the way that it's designed is very much hard lined and very. Um, well, yeah. So I'll say this. Saturated you, is the better, I guess. You, if you want to get word. to what Steve is saying, which is accurate. Um, and I would also say that Hollingsworth's coloring is like very much. Um, I think you guys are uh, of the same spirit with the way you do your um, science slasher book. Um, you can tell me I'm wrong, but um, if you look at Matt's Hollingsworth.com slash portfolio, you can find his coloring that he does for Hawkeye. And that this looks like it's been run through like a wine press. If you look at all the page layouts, like it is purple, but like every shade of purple um, in a good way. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of like darker reds, um, but this, there, there is a distinct look to this and you can tell me, Steve, you can tell me I'm wrong about how you approach your, um, desaturated coloring for your book, the slasher. I think these books aren't, the looks aren't too dissimilar, uh, from what I'm looking at. Um, I know you're going for a different goal, but it's very much like it's a distinct look. And, um, I don't know what I was expecting when I was reading this, but what looking at this now it doesn't look too far away from, um, Oh shit. What's the name of the artist that I love that does the big blowups Lichtenstein. Most of these, both these panels could be, um, Lichtenstein paintings with the way the saturation is. Well, okay. So the one thing that I will say about the color here is, is that, that Lichtenstein's uh, a piece of shit and I'm wrong for thinking about it. I understand. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I was going to stray away from that, but like, do you know what like do you know what I'm saying though? Like, I know what least, you're talking okay. about. Lichtenstein, however, has built his career off of like basically like, oh, I repainted a a, a you know a Jim Steranko uh, panel, pay me millions of dollars. Well no, but I like almost some, cursed, but fair enough. No, but like some I, I of his it. like romance comics with some of the palettes that he would use. You know, like they're no. very muted and they're very singular. And you're not wrong. I'm just like, no, like, I, I, you know, that's a touchy subject. Cause I feel like that guy got rich off of stealing the artwork of a lot of other people. That's, that's all. Um, but all I, right, I know well, this the is intent. the last episode of the podcast. Everybody think, no, I, 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 <laughs> I know what your Ted was. I, 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 lo I, I love Lichtenstein, I, but I didn't realize that way. Like we'll, we'll get into that later. Sorry. Continue, please. Yeah. You I know. mean, just Google, you know, uh, you can see he just recreated panels from comics. It's literally not like there's an original thought there is the point that I'm making. Um, and that's great that like he's bringing that attention to other people. <laughs> no, oh my God. If you, if you really want to get into like a, a like hard line about defending Lichtenstein, we can, but um, it's, 
I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. You're, Continue, you're please. Lose that fight. All right. Um, so the point that I'm going to make here, real quick, about the colors is that, like, uh, I do appreciate the compliment, and it, it's certainly a similar idea to what we try to do with our comics. But um, the color theory is so well done, um, and this is not where I'm I'm at professionally, unfortunately. Like, okay, so for those of you who are color I don't know what you call it. Enthusiast. Um, you've probably heard the term complementary colors, you know, um, blue and orange, uh, are complementary colors, red and green complementary colors, purple and yellow are complementary colors, but it's also sometimes hard to make those two work on a printed page together. Um, the, the amount of like yellows and purples that are working together in harmony throughout this entire book is incredible. doesn't mean that there aren't other colors that are being used, but it's really, this is really a well colored book and it doesn't need those extra, you know, flares of gradation things that I was talking about earlier with the way most current comic books are, are, are colored. Um, and I, I'm just scrolling through the book now as we're, as we're talking and, you know, I'm looking at, uh, just different pages and how well the, the colors play off of each other. And, um, the fact that he uses browns and greens and, and purples, but they're not the, the typical ones that you would think of. They're more of, uh, accent colors or, or maybe they're a little I don't want to say dirty, but uh, it's really hard to talk about this without having the visuals in front of you. Uh, But the amount of tones that he's able to get and the values that he's able to get using these these colors and without pulling out a lot of tricks out of his coloring bag is really impressive. Um, And it's just a beautiful book to look at. And uh, it accents um, David Aja's drawing, uh, particularly his storytelling, incredibly well. And that was one of the other things that I wanted to talk about is is that uh, Aja does not only really great action scenes, but he does a lot of great scenes of of characters just talking, Mm -hmm. of characters just having a conversation, which is incredibly hard to do. He does an entire issue that is just a car chase, and it's visually interesting. Uh, I know that, you know, we talk about comic art in sort of this, um, I don't want to say analytical way here, but knowing what I know about what goes into making a comic doing an entire issue that's a car chase is really hard. And to make the reader be able to follow all of what's the action that's happening and also be able to control essentially what your reader is experiencing. And that may also be part of the writing. I don't mean to leave Matt fraction out of this component because I don't know um, specifically what the scripts look like versus, you know, what was handed in for the, uh, pencils and inks. But, um, a long time ago, uh, Marvel used to do Stanley basically got to a point where writing all this stuff was hard for him. So he developed what was essentially called the Marvel plot style. And it's basically like he would give an artist a paragraph and be like, here's what happens in the next issue. Uh, and then the artist would go off and draw it, and then he'd write on top of it. Um, 
that has sort of evolved where it wasn't sort of like the artists were given dialogue, but they were given like, Hey, here's what happens on page one. Here's what happens on page two. And, and you know, it's, it's not so much a panel by panel breakdown as much as it is like, here's an idea of what the story is and here's what should happen on each page. I don't know if Marvel is still scripting at that level or if they're still doing the plot style. Long story short, it's a well-written comic, so I don't want to take Matt Fraction out of the equation, but to be able to do an entire issue that's a, essentially a car chase and never lose, lose either the focus of your reader or be able to um, basically control how they're reading your story is really, really hard. That stuff is incredibly hard to do, and he does it so well. Um, so I don't want to diminish the, you know, the the credit of of Matt Fraction because this is a extremely well written comment as well. Um, but David Aja is doing some really incredible stuff here uh, with his storytelling, um, and I feel like I've been talking on it a little bit too much at this point. But I wanted to just kind of put a pin into like, if nothing else. If you're a fan of comics, you should you should read this and think about all the magic. Maybe don't think about it because maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's part of the problem is, is that because I'm so into this and, and wanting to be a better artist that I'm I'm noticing all this stuff. And that's part of the magic is being able to read a comic and, and not realizing uh, the trick that was pulled, I guess. It's sort of like seeing a movie and not knowing what the special effect is. This here, I think, is some really great storytelling, uh, and and they're just hitting it on all, all fronts. Whether it be David Aja's pencils and inks, whether it be Matt Hollingsworth's uh, coloring, or Matt Fraction's writing, um, and I, I should also mention this here: Chris Eliopoulos, who is the letterer, um, should also be mentioned because uh, there's some really cool um, lettering that's happening within the story as well. So. Uh, overall, the story is just visually entertaining in the story itself. Uh, the images and words work together in concert in a way that's kind of rare these days, particularly when you're in a situation where the chores are broken up between so many different people. Well, Paul, for, you say things now. I don't, oh, I won't, you know me. I'll say all things all the time. Um, you feel like you went on too long. We talked about a taco bar for, I think, 87 minutes. In this episode. But that's important. <laughs> I mean, it's all the ingredients, right? I like. I didn't ever give credit to the taco bar inker or the letterer. Uh, anyway, no, um, no. What like I was. This is what I was hoping you would talk about because um, I know if you guys have been listening to us for any length of time, I know sometimes we like kind of go off in the corners and it gets it gets weird and like we don't maybe. Oh, maybe we don't like focus on the things that we should and shine a light on things that we should. But I, I was excited to talk about this because I realized this was um, the sum of its parts. And I'm glad that I read this. This was a lot of fun. Um, the art style of uh, David Aja and um, um, Javier uh, Poldino, maybe, maybe it's not my favorite because it, it is not. However, um, there is a kinetic energy and a, a joy to be had with their layouts and reading this that like me as a personal reader of comics, I want a little bit more detail. However, um, I do appreciate the kinetic, the kinetic action going on. 
Um, I, maybe, maybe it is um, the fault of me reading this digitally where I was able to zoom in on panel to panel and not like, it's like, spoiler, uh, Steve has given me the glory of the Comicsology app and the way that the comics are set up, you can kind of actually go through and swipe through the panels, right? And it's it gives you a little bit more close-up look of like the panel-to-panel artwork than maybe if you flip through a comic. Um, this isn't the most detailed book. That's not a negative. Uh, just, it, just your preference may vary. However, th- no matter what you're doing as you read through this, uh, and I'm gonna put this to you, Steve, because I know you're obsessive about like you know your output. Um, how did you feel from panel from panel to panel about the storytelling here? Uh, I think, I think the storytelling is, is top notch. Uh, I really feel like, uh, you know, having reread it to, uh, uh, certainly helped me because it had this been something that we just gone into conversation about like, Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Oh, I watched Hawkeye and we would have gone into this conversation. I would have completely, uh, glossed over, um, this book and uh that's a shame on me obviously but um there's so much good stuff happening here um and i i think that it's 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 that thing of, of i don't know how to put this without making it sound shitty so i'm gonna apologize in advance sometimes i think people equate detail uh, and not detail what sort I'm looking for here because um, detail is not the right word because I'm, I'm looking through the pages right now um, and and these pages tell a story extremely well mm-hmm. so if you if you were to look at Sam, say somebody I'm gonna throw an artist at you I, you tell me if you've ever heard of this gentleman Alex Toth have you heard that name before uh, Alex who Toth T-H-T-O-T-H, sorry. Uh, sorry, um, what has he done? Uh, so he created Space Ghost. Uh, he was an animator for a long time, but he also did a lot of comics work. Okay. Um, he's got a style, I wouldn't say that's similar to this, but like Toth's whole thing was like, how much information can I put on the page without, or how how, how much can I put on the page and tell the story simply without overcomplicating it might be a better way of putting okay, it. Um, he had very, uh, you know, I don't want to say graphically designed characters, but like he, his, his mind was on like, I don't want to overwhelm the page with an arm that is, you know, every vein is popping and there's tons of cross hatching. Oh, no, no, and, I, I think I no, So you're right. I think that this is, um, mm. I, I think it is very, it, it gets everything across that needs to, you know what I mean? Like I'm not, I'm not dismissing it. I'm just saying that like, no, if, you know. I, I don't think you are either. And I do apologize. I'm just interrupting you here. I think sometimes <laughs> Versus comic me fans interrupting you continue, please. Yes. No, no. I think sometimes comic fans miss the forest for the trees. Uh, I love Todd McFarlane and he noodles everything to death, but at the same time, uh, you know, his storytelling isn't always, as clear as it could be. So it's one of the things that's given up by, I can do, you know, nine panels on a page to tell the story, or I can do one gigantic page uh, of Spider-Man swinging across the city. And it's gorgeous to look at, but 
does it tell as much of a story as he could have with those panels? And I think I, I, I talked about this previously and I don't remember what episode we talked about, uh, John Romita jr. Uh, who I know is one of your, uh, favorite Spider-Man artists. Yes. Um, you know, John Romita jr. Is a guy who isn't flashy. He tells the story. Um, he, he, his artwork's great. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean to make it sound like I'm putting it down, but he's not interested in doing, you know, super detailed, overly rendered stuff. And no, you're uh, right. that's a good call. He's not that dissimilar to what we're looking at now talking about this book. You're right. That's a good call. Yeah. And, and what makes his work work is his work work. If that makes sense is that, you know, he's interested in telling the story and he's been doing it for, you know, 30 years now. I'm sure that he could probably draw, you know, an issue of the Saturday Night Slasher in like, I don't know, a week. Uh, if I gave him a plot, like he, he just, he knows how to break down panels. He knows how to tell a story and, uh, he can do it extremely well and fast. I think at one point he was putting out two books a month. I could be wrong on that part of it, but I think he was penciling like a lot. Um, I think Spider-Man might've been bi-monthly at one point. Um, but he's, he's not concerned with, you know, making everything look overly rendered and detailed. He's interested in giving you what you need to tell the story. And I think that's what we're looking at here. Okay. So my, my question to you, like, what do you take from this? Like, cause you're constantly moving forward. You're evolving. You're a creator. You're a storyteller. What do you take from this series that could be applied towards what you want to do in the future? Um, I mean, there are a couple of things. One to be more bold with the color choices that I'm making. Um, I, uh, I sometimes get it stuck in my head where, where I'm like, well, uh, you know, this bottle is brown, so I've got to have it brown in every <laughs> panel, you know, or uh, this is always going to be this color. And I sometimes get stuck in those very rudimentary things where I am afraid to experiment with color theory. I mean, the cover of the Saturday Slasher uh, issue two, um, you know, there's a silhouette in the background of, of patrons in the bar. And uh, I decided to do them all in a hot pink, which was a choice that I really, really loved. But I agonized over that choice um, because I thought it added interesting contrast to the rest of the piece um, here. You know, there there's color choices that are being made that I'm looking at and I'm like, it feels like it would be too dark to me, but like, as I'm looking at it on the page, it works quite well. And I'm like, how do I get all these colors to work in, in the same vein as, is, you know, he's doing here. And then from the, the storytelling side here, you know, I do wonder, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I feel like I handicap Ryan with when I'm writing is, is that I give too much detail. So I'm like, what is it that, you know, and I've been working with Ryan for, you know, everything I've done has been with Ryan. So I don't know, you know, if I'm giving him enough detail, too much detail. And like, he tries to tell me like, Hey, you know, this is a little over the top for me, but the storytelling as a whole here, I don't ever question. And I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this isn't as much of an issue for you, but I've had comics where I've read and I'm like, wait, what just happened? I feel like, there's a leap in the storytelling or a leap in, in, in transition where I'm like, did I just miss something? And, or are two pages stuck together? Like this comic flows. Uh, mm -hmm. and 
I think it's an easy read in the sense of like, they're not making me work hard. You know, both Fraction and Aja, like Fraction's not over overwriting it, which is something that I certainly hold myself to the fire to that I, you know, <laughs> I'll have to write 10,000 words before I figure out that the 10 that that actually will just tell what I, say what I want to say Um as evidenced by this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me put the, the parking brake on. This is where I've put it to you and a uh, friend of the show, Richard about like, cause he is a, a writer. Like, where do you find the cutoff point? And it's hard, right? Like it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, sometimes want- it's just a learning experience and figuring out like, Oh God, I could have done this so much better until I see this, the finished product. I'm like, Oh, yeah, I should have just shut up here and it's a hard thing to me. learn because you like you feel like it's like I've done my job, but I want people to know. But then like it ta- like like um what was it Stephen King said? Not you, other one. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um that he sometimes would have like some ideas and short stories he'd put in a drawer and just kinda let them bake for a bit and he'll pull them out and it's like, Oh, did they self destruct? Or are they worthy of going for further, right? So it's like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, your mileage may vary and that's, that's a tough thing to come across. It's a tough thing to get to. And, um, like there's, there's a really, like, I think the hardest thing that creators have, and I'm, I don't know, I'm drunk. So welcome to invasion of the podcast. Um, there's that lie between show don't tell, right? Like nobody could really determine where that line is. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, please don't understand. I'm not throwing this at you. I'm just saying like, in terms of storytellers, it's like, where is that certain amount of confidence that you're going to have that the person consuming the media will get it? Yeah. And you know, like, and that's always the fear, right? Of like, do they understand what's going on? And so I feel like there's a bit of over explaining that happens sometimes uh, from some people. Um, I don't know who I'm throwing that at, but just making a statement. Um, where the book that we read, it got everything across and there was things that were left unsaid and there was gaps, but those are okay because we're getting for the Hawkeye comic that we're reading, we're mainly getting it from Clint's perspective and he has his own viewpoint and he doesn't know everything. However, um, this isn't his first rodeo, so he knows a lot but he doesn't know everything, which I think is his like his bigger, bigger flaw because you got Kate coming in who has her own set of skills and own set of assumptions and things don't play out exactly the way he wants. And Kate's there constantly to be like, I got this. You know, there is in terms of writing, in terms of character, this is approaching a thing that I could never figure out because every time I write anything, it's always me talking to me. You know, and it's hard to like kind of like find this. Sorry, I've said seven different things. Drink, Steve, continue. So I, I think that what Matt Fraction does with Hawkeye here is, is and I, I should preface this by saying that, you know, uh, this is the only Hawkeye series that I own. So everything that I've ever read with Hawkeye before this was either him appearing in other people's comics or showing up in the Avengers. Um, and, Hawkeye, why I wouldn't say is one note uh, in the comics, he was. 
to me, he was always the guy who wanted to be Captain America. He wanted to be the guy running the show. Uh, he had a bit of a lip on him and uh, thought he was better than everybody else. So, like, when you come to this, particularly this, this, and I'm not even talking about the Disney Plus series, I'm talking about this comic series, this is a very human take on who Clint is. Uh, and I don't mean that to be like, Oh, they're showing another side of him. Like this is a this is a version of the character that I'm like, wow, I really like this version of the character. Um, every issue of the comic, which I think is really funny, uh, opens with, uh, okay, so this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's funny that no matter what they're doing, they always open up with him thinking, okay, so this is bad. <laughs> but then the story unfolds from there. Um, I'm I'm looking at a page right now, actually. Um, and this will go to the point that I was making about how clear the storytelling is, is that uh, this is the page where uh, Pizza Dog, who's also known as Lucky, which is what uh, or Arrow. Yeah, he's, his, his name is technically Arrow. He's owned by uh, the tracksuit mafia or the dra- tracksuit Draculas is what he calls them because of their accent. Um, <laughs> and they are featured very prominently in the Disney Plus series as well. Um but uh, it's it's a scene of of him uh, being helped by Pizza Dog, and then Pizza Dog's own owner, who's not Hawkeye, throws him into traffic, and it's just him trying to save the dog, but also like just completely, you know, horrified. Uh, uh you know, his caption is is like, uh, "What kind of man throws a dog into traffic?" Seriously, I ask <laughs> you, and it's it's. It's a wonderful sequence, even though it's something horrific that's going on. Um, him trying to not only save the dog, but also the fact that you know the dog saved him, uh, and just being—I don't know—it's—it's it's a perfect breakdown. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's ten panels. Um, that's really good storytelling. I can follow everything within the story without reading any of the captions, which is sort of the hallmark of what good storytelling is, which is honestly a, a criticism that I would hold against myself is, is because I, I want to have long, boring conversations in my comics and that doesn't always make interesting visuals, but also it's hard to tell the story if it's just two people telling a lot of the story to each other. But or, what if, what, what if it was eating uh, hard candies, What <laughs> hard candies, like a sucker. Well, that's fair. I mean, I'm kidding. Uh, to, I'm kidding. Be, to, to be fair, though, in uh, you know year one, the uh, the chief is always eating like uh, you know uh, Hall, like Hall's mentholiptus or something like that. Ugh. So I guess I have that in common uh, with uh, Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. But can you do uh, a bit where somebody's eating uh, ribbon candies and the science slasher's like, nah, I can't deal with this. So he just leaves. <laughs> I'll work at it. <laughs> no, like I've told you repeatedly, my, my one goal, I know, I know it won't happen, but I need to be killed by the slasher as a podcaster. Like now that we were in 2021, can I be a true, true crime podcaster that is that the, it's on a Saturday I'm recording an episode with a, uh, Keeve Ting and, um, the slasher just shows up and kills me. That'd be amazing. We'll figure it out. I, I keep telling you that, but again, remember how still my output is. So, no, no, uh, I just, I just figure if I can face my own mortality, I'd be better about it. That's, <laughs> like, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, 
Continue, so, please. so let's talk a little bit about the differences between Hawkeye as a cinematic character and uh, a comic book character. Okay, so yeah. here he's pretty much, you know, he's in this comic, at least I don't want to quite say that he's an everyman because he's got amazing uh, uh, talents and he can do things that no one else can. But he's much more the everyman than, say, like Batman is or, uh, OK, I wouldn't say Spider-Man because Spider-Man's Spider-Man is the epitome of the everyman. Well, no, but, like we got Hawkeye that where every time you mention like, oh, this is going to go bad. He understands the cost because he's a human being and mm-hmm. like and he like he is good at what he does. He's trained to be a weapon, which that that comes back to the name of the the volume. If you guys like read this. He is a human being with like not like a healing factor. Like all he all he is really is good at is killing people and like like assessing angles and situations, right? Mm-hmm. And like um and so he's aware of his own mortality. And I think that also translates through the TV series where the the Hawkeye we find here, the Clint Barton we find here. I, I, he's very different than the Jeremy Renner character in the TV series. However, they, they're both, um, what, what's the phrase, uh, road hard and put away wet. Like I, I think yeah. that, that um, they have a, what was it? It's not the mileage. It's, um, it's the, it's, it's the damage, whatever it is that the, the, with the, 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 I'm mixing my metaphors here where it's like, it's not the distance it's the wear and tear. And like, they're both different places. I think, I think with Josh Whedon introducing um, Hawkeye and Age of Ultron having a family um, changed what we believe about the character, which with this, with Matt Fraction, he's not a family man. However, he still has a good heart and is looking out for people. There's that apartment building that's in the comic where he wants to do good by them. Like I, Clint's a good guy and he doesn't believe he's a good guy. However, when he's down and out and he's always going to try to do the right thing as much as he hates himself for it. He's, he is a good guy. And I think that's an interesting take on the character where it's like, I'm not a good person. All oh, that dog lost an eye and got kicked. I'm going to pay every money in the world to make him live. Cause if that dog doesn't live, then I can't exist. And then his apartment complex, like just Clint has a beating heart. It is a bruised and broken and bleeding heart. And mm, you get that in the series in the, 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 the Z plus series, but it's guided more towards um, his family and also recognizing Kate as Kate wants to be a hero. And Clint's trying to tell her, you don't want this. I don't get that vibe ever from him where like in the comic. No, in the comic, it's pretty much. And again, this, <laughs> this goes back to, I think Avengers disassembled. I think at one point Hawkeye is quote unquote dead and Captain America tells Kate Bishop, like he passes on his, you know, uh, his bow and arrow to, to her. And he's like, I want you to, you know, take up the mantle of Clint Barton slash Hawkeye. Um, uh, I will say that of the Disney series, one of the things that is very much alive within the series, uh, that's, represented well in the comic and the show is is their repertoire their their not repertoire their uh, conversations their yeah, their banter 
yeah, their banter, they're going back and forth. Um, I, I think that they did a really good job of capturing that. But I, I wanted to go back real quick to the idea of Joss Whedon introducing Hawkeye as a family man. And I, I don't know that I necessarily understood that decision at the time. Um, it was, it, it was, it was like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, they're, they're giving, you know, they're, they're giving Clinton an entire family. And this is very different from the comic version. And it wasn't like, it was like, I'm walking out of the theater. They've <laughs> ruined Clint Barton. But I was just like, Oh, that's an interesting choice. Um, but as I'm watching this series, one of the things that occurred to me is, is that I'm like, you know what? There aren't a lot of characters who have full families like behind them. You know what I mean? Not Frank Castle. Uh, what's that? Not Frank Castle. Oh, oh <laughs> you, you always got to go dark. Oh, here, here, wait one second. Here we go. Here. One. Do you know why they are called spoilers? All right. there. We go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But if, if you think about um, Clint as a character in the cinematic universe, he's a guy with a family. Everything that he does is actually driven by his family. The fact that he becomes Ronin is is driven by the fact that he loses his family. Yes. Um, I, I think that that's really interesting. I like actually the series being framed. And when I say the series, my apologies, the Disney Plus series, being framed around the idea of like I've got to clean up one last mess that's related to Ronin, but also – him like trying to like uh, spend this magical Christmas with his kids almost. And, and again, I'm not going to go into Christmas vacation, but like, I like the idea of him wanting to have this, you know, memory of Christmas with his kids and it being important to be there for them. Um, and I don't think we see that with many superheroes, you know, there aren't that many that actually get to have families and be happy and successful. Um, and Clint is sort of the outlier, at least in the Marvel cinematic universe. Uh, you know, Tony Stark got to be happy for what, five years. And then, you know, he sacrifices himself. Um, and again, I'm looking at this just from the cinematic view. Well, uh, I mean, even Cap, like Scott, Scott Lang, he, he reached an accord with his family. Um, that's right. different, but, um, yeah, no, I, I think like he, he prioritizes his family has now like post snap are back, yeah. right? Like, he appreciates what's happened. And the moment they came back, he was no longer Ronan. And, uh, in the comics, that's not how it was. Yeah. And, it's a big deal, but I love, um, there's a thing here where your family is who you choose it to be. And like, um, the comics, it shows that Ronan, sorry, Ronan, sorry. Hawkeye cares about Kate. Um, it's a lot more sexually, like there's a lot of tension there, which is not in the TV series, which is great. Cause I do not want that. Like, I don't want, um, yeah. You shoot arrows. Can I put my Can I put my penis in you? Like that's not what's happening in the TV series, but here there's a little bit more conflict. But I love that. Like the thing I love up like, when you suggested this, I like Hawkeye as a character. Um, he's always been like in the background. He's always been ancillary. To everything. Um, the The movies did a good job. Like the whole thing with him between uh, him and um, Natasha. That's great too. Um, but in terms of like the greater Marvel universe, he's always just been the guy that was good with arrows, which is kind of a joke. Um, but I love that they give him the family here. I also love in the, in the comic, they 
give him more of the dynamic of like, can I just go home for a second and just like exist? Oh, the tracksuit mafia is coming in trying to buy the building. All right. Well, I guess I got to drag a bunch of money in here and punch people because I don't want them to get evicted because I actually like them. And also, can you leave me alone? Like there is a certain amount of like, I like a means to an end of like, I want to be a good guy, but also can I have a night on my own and just sleep? Like there's a, like he, Hawkeye is a very much a ground level guy and we don't get that in the movies. He's on the same ground level as a daredevil. Um, you know, what was it? Um, um, iron fist and power man. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like Hawkeye's on the same like level of like, just leave me alone. And if you get into my radar, I'm going to mess you up. But just shut up. Can you just leave me for a second to not be busted up? Because I believe in the greater good. I'm going to fight you. Don't make me do this. I'm going to ruin you. That's the vibe I got from the book. Well, the, the the book also points out the fact that, you know, he has no healing powers. He has nothing yes. special about him. He's other a human than being. being. Yeah. Let's yeah. See um, and I, I, I love that about the book. I love the fact that, uh, Hawkeye, uh, and, and they actually do this a little bit in the Disney Plus series. It's more of Hawkeye playing sort of, you know, coy and, and sort of drawing his enemy in by be, uh, appearing weak. But like in this, the, the comic, Hawkeye gets the shit kicked out of him a lot. Yes. Um, and whether it's for just the fact that he's sort of taking punches to, uh, seem a little bit weaker than he is or if it's just literally like uh him jumping into a mob of guys who just threw a dog into traffic like i like that aspect of it i like the fact that he's not cap he doesn't have a he he doesn't have super strength he doesn't have he's not wolverine he doesn't have a healing factor the blows that he's taking are real blows but he's going to take those blows because it's something that he's fighting for or believing in um and, you know, it, you mentioned the sexual tension, and I don't know that I necessarily got that here, but I like the fact that they also portray uh, Clint as sort of like a dude who sleeps around. <laughs> so, like, he's having this conversation with with uh, Kate, and he's like, well, you know, I just want to point out that, you know, I I want you to be my successor, and it's it's not that, you know, I don't want you to get hurt, da 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 And he's like, and I don't want you to think it's because I want to sleep with you. And she's like, What? Like it just completely throws her off, and she's like, um, "I never thought that." Well, but there's and, the brief bit where she's sitting in her home, being like, "How, like, you know, basically, it's acknowledging her, her yeah. position." That, that's all. That's all I was speaking to is like, that's the tension, especially later when they're a Madripoor and he's trying, and in, in during the course of the comic, trying to be in a position to bid on a VHS tape, like potentially showing the murder of a dictator. Yeah, and there's a weird, awkward segment with uh, uh, Clint and Madame Mask. <laughs> like, it's so much fun. And she's she's oh. pretending to be Madame Mask, and he doesn't yeah. know it. Yeah, yes, it's so much uh, fun. I love it. I love it. He's trying. She's trying to find his Avengers black card, <laughs> like his a black yeah. AMX. I just, I don't know. I, I that's a lot of fun. I, I really, really like that. And then later, when he's like tied to a chair, and like all the hand is it the hand? I think it's the hand, right? It's a matter of it has to be the hand. Yeah. That show up as ninjas. Ninjas, basically. Yeah. Just say ninjas. Ninjas. It's the foot clan, not the hand clan. Um, and the way he's able to get out of that, but I love the bit, whatever, um, she's found out 
as uh, Madame Mask, you see Clint dropping behind her in the chair. Like, yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> I love, I, like, I'll just say this too. People, please, 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 please read these books. Um, that, like, the world, like, they, one of the wonderful things about these, these comics and the Hawkeye series right now, in terms of, the, like, what you're watching on Disney Plus, isn't, like a world ending problem. It's just really complicated for those that are involved in it. And that makes it more fun for me because you can relate to it, right? There's no like vortex butthole in the sky that is like going to end the world. It's more like, Oh shit. Um, like my gear's gone. I like in the TV series, I have to go deal with some LARPers for a second or, or I have to go to the magic report because there's a VHS tape. That's problematic. Like, I, I really, really like these fringe elements of the Marvel Universe. And I also really, really like um, like the interactions. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, and I just want to mention this here, too. Uh, you know, I, I talked about earlier the fact that, like, the, the entire third issue is pretty much a car chase and how uh, crazy well done it is uh, within the, 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 sense, the, the setting of the story um, and how well that story is told. But, like... It's interesting because the 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 car that you know Clint is in is a a, a Challenger, nice. um, and they play a reversal of that in the series where he doesn't want to take a Challenger because he doesn't want to see that car get destroyed, and it ends up getting destroyed anyway. Um, I thought that was a really cool um, play on it because they do do a version of this scene where uh, she's trying to figure out which arrows to give him. Um, and it's it's fun in the Disney series, uh, Disney Plus series, because, uh, you know, she's the one firing the arrows here. It's her driving while she's trying to give him arrows and he's telling her what to 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 give him. But she's like, you don't have these labeled. How do I know what these are? Well, also, um, the thing that we don't get in the series is that like and I think it's actually like shown very well in the 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 actual live action is that like Clinton as a human being has been exposed to a lot of like audio like noise yeah. he has a hearing aid I think that's like and it actually pays off quite well and here it's like he's just yelling at like, in the TV series like he's yelling at her and he's not hearing her at all she's like that that place like but the car chase you're talking about it's like you can tell that the powers that be love this um, mm-hmm. like so I'm gonna put this to you. Right now. So if somebody came to you and said, hey, we're going to make a science slasher TV series. However, we're going to take the grace notes from what you've told us. And we're going to kind of like like noodle around and make our own thing. How upset would you be because you still get to see your creation on screen? Uh, I don't think I'd be very upset. I'd just be happy for the payday. Well, um, that's but fair. Also- but what if those amounts? Versus a payday. <laughs> so I, I, and again, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, there's a great Stephen Quink- King quote, ha ha ha. But like, you know, his his outlook, I guess maybe with the exception of The Shining, was always that like my books are always there. They're always there for people to read and experience. So he doesn't seem to be too bothered when the film versions go off book. But, you know, I would... I would want to be involved in the sense of I know what this is. I know it can be done better and I want to be a part of that. Okay. That would be, that would be my reaction. Um, I mean, I guess if they are like, well, 
uh, here's the thing now. He uh, and and I, I also know that uh, Guillermo del Toro talked about this with Hellboy, where he would go into meetings and the first question that would be would be like, well, does he have to be a demon? And he'd be like, yeah, that's kind of the whole thing. All right. Does he have to be red? Yeah, Hellboy has to be red. Like they would go through these whole motions of like, well, can we change this? And he'd be like, no, because that's how it is in the comic. I, I, I there's a part of me that I know because I'm such a cult control freak, I would want to be involved. But at the same time, if if they came to me and you know, I guess it would have to be like, how, how would I look at it? You know, is this something that's going to advance my career and not just be a payday? Does this maybe get me a little bit more cachet with another publisher who's like, hey, do you want to do something here? Sure. Um, I guess I'd have to take all those things in consideration. But there are certain things that I would probably not want to have changed if it was suddenly like, well, he's no longer killing people on Saturdays. I'd be like, well, it's in the title. Yeah. You know? What if it was what? the Sunday brunch uh, stabber? I don't know. But, but right. my point <laughs> is, is that, like, if they took like the actual like – I'm, I'm I'm putting this to you and nobody else, but it's like if they actually got like the majority of it right and the creative team behind it was like, we love what you've done and what you and Ryan's done. However, when it tell a little different story, like like I feel like that's where the Hawkeye um, Disney Plus series is versus this run where it's like re- reading it, it's a lot of fun. I, I there's a definitely a different Clint, and I, and to a degree, there's a different Kate. The Kate in this, um, the comic is a lot more confident because she's already been in the role for quite a while. Where the Kate we run into the TV series is is cocky, but like seeking um, admonishment like that we don't get in the comic. Where because she knows she's good in the comic, but we also get Clint that Clint, no matter what's going to happen, he's like I'm always going to fight for the greater good, and I'm going to get hurt. Like I, which I also feel like uh, Jeremy's character is like yeah. Shit's shit's messed up. I'm gonna still show up again. Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun to see um, the Clint in the comic versus what we're seeing. It's also been fun to see the Kate that we're seeing. So I'm gonna put it to you if 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 um, if what you feel is like the biggest deviation here from the Matt Fraction David Aja comic, um, would you be okay with the same amount of diversion with the storytelling of what you're seeing here and a television version versus what you and Ryan has done for the slasher. I think that's an interesting question. So I'm going to put it to you regardless of how drunk I am. So answer it confidently and it's going to be definitive. Go. So I, I think <laughs> one of the big different, uh, big differences here is, is that Hawkeye is a known commodity that is owned and had a, a history of probably at least 40 years um, at this point. Uh, and I, I, I talked about this a little bit at the beginning of the episode. I don't know what reward was given to the creators financially. You know, make no mistake, Dave, Matt Fraction, David Aja, uh, Matt Hollingsworth, uh, Javier Polito, they probably don't have any sort of I don't want to say input. It's literally somebody like they made something for Marvel. Marvel publishes it and now they're adapting it. They probably don't have much say. I, I can't speak to that for sure, but 
it's that touchy work for hire thing, which I still think is bullshit. I think if, if if Marvel is going to make, if Disney, my apologies, is going to make a, uh, a version of your story into a series, a live action series, uh, maybe you not only compensate them financially, but also you involve them somehow in the show. Like, I I don't know. Uh, it, it, the opening credits to 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 Hawkeye is very much the covers and artwork of this run. Like, it's visually like you cannot separate the two. They literally were like, well, this half of our work's already done. Look at all this. It's beautifully laid out and we've already got a color scheme figured out and like so much of the work is done for them. So I certainly hope that they, those guys are getting more than just a thank you from Marvel. Um, with that in mind, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the only two things that I would really like, really have umbrage with if, if somebody was adapting the Siren Slasher at this point is, is that if they're like, uh, does Julie have to be suicidal? And I'd be like, yes, that's intrinsic to the story. Okay. Does the, the, you know, the killer have to only kill on Saturdays? Yes. There's a reason to that. And we haven't gotten to that in the story and God willing, we will at some point, but like those are the two main things that I can think of that I would, probably have problems with now if they were suddenly like uh hey you know we're gonna you know change something visually i guess i would have to just go away go with it because there's so many things that i'm like oh i i there's potential here and things that i know that i could that might actually be better adapted to the screen as opposed to a comic because that's the starting point was that i had with the comic because i was like well what if i took a slasher movie and made it into a comic I could see how things would be translated, but realistically, like, you know, it's, it is a little apples and oranges between the two. I, I can't, I can't speak to what would happen unless that, I guess that opportunity came, uh, uh, about, but I, I going back to Hawkeye, I wanted to mention one other thing real quick. in that mm-hmm. second story that's in the trade, uh, about the tape, uh, that's, has supposedly uh, a recording of Hawkeye murdering somebody that's been sanctioned by the U S government and the Avengers. I love the outcome of that story. The story starts off with the question, Kate asking him, have you ever killed anybody? And he sort of dodges the question. And that's actually kind of, I, I think that has actually come up in the series where she asks, asks Hawkeye about that. No, it's in the series. That's, you know, what's the best sh- shot you ever took? The one I never took, but he, like, yeah. 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 Here, you know, she's, she's like, you know, have you ever killed somebody? Da, 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 da. And then she sees the video of, of Hawkeye purportedly killing this person. Uh, and she very much believes it. And at the end of the story, we come to find out spoilers that uh, this is all a ruse by uh, Shield in order to get uh, a mole to figure out who a mole is, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I like about that is, is she says to him, like, "Why would you do this?" And he's like, "Well, why wouldn't I? It, it's just right." Like he's he's got like I don't want to say a moral compass. It's not like he's got some sort of higher, you know voice or idea of what's guiding him, but he's like, 
he's not bothered by the question, but he's also like, well, why wouldn't I? You know, it, it's it's not even a question of like right or wrong. He's just like, you know, I'm an Avenger. Of course, I I, I would go along with this, and you know. I don't know. There's something intrinsic about the character that I think speaks to both the way he's portrayed in the films and also portrayed in the comic where it's just like, it's not even a question for him. It's a sure. Why wouldn't I do this? It's what's right. And I do like that aspect in the sense of as uh, I love Captain America in the same way that I love Superman in that, like they're able to find the right answer despite how gray and murky the things are around them. I think that that's one of the things that makes Captain America work is that, uh, even in the grayest shallowest waters of things that he's able to still find some sort of moral compass. And I think with Hawkeye, it's kind of the same thing, although he'll, he'll, he'll clearly just sleep with somebody if uh, they got a cool car or whatever. And I'm talking about the comic. That's different. I'm sorry. That's different than having a right or wrong compass. You know, I like, no, and I I didn't mean it to put it that way. I just meant that like, I I didn't mean to portray him as being as, a good doer as, you know, yeah. uh, Captain America. Captain America's got a little bit of that uh, big red cheese in him that Superman used to have. We'll put it that way. Yeah. No, so um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for recommending uh, Hawkeye. My Life is a Weapon. It's a lot of fun. People should check it out. Um, you uh, have bought a comicsology, and I uh, creeped into your DMs or whatever and read it. It's a lot of fun, and um, and also you end up bringing the the was it Young Justice um, uh, issue after with Kate Bishop about her complications and her role, and then I read the Pizza Dog issue later, and there's a lot in there. It's like it's it's worthy of your time. Please, please, please read comics, and um, if you have a tablet, please uh, go to Comicsology, and like oh, I love I love the tapping. And bringing in the individual panels, because you can see the artwork. I, I, it's been very, it's been, it's been very rewarding. So, please read it. Well, I'll also just say that if uh, you have a comic shop near you, I'm, I'm sure that they'll be more than happy to hook you up with a copy of My Life Is a Weapon. Or uh, if you're in Cleveland and you want to go to Carolyn John's, I guarantee you they'll be able to get you a copy. That's fair. Or, or if you want to buy um, the first two issues, um, Sunny Slasher, there, it's not going to be at Carol John's, but you can go to Steve and he will make them available to you. Or if you want to buy a cover of Ralphie being the Punisher, what if he was, then they should buy it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So any other thoughts about this? I like, thank you for bringing it to me. This was rewarding and fulfilling and um, worthy of discussion. No, I, I keep threatening you to, that yeah. I'm like, oh, you know, at some point I, I want to write a a blog uh, or some sort of column, if you will, about what it is that I love about comics. And rereading this kind of reminded me, like, how good comics can be at what they do. Um, and this would be a perfect example uh, of uh, – because, again, I, I don't feel like I did it very – 
much justice uh, speaking about it audibly. I think with being able to show people like, hey, look at this and look at how good this is, how good this storytelling is and how good the color theory is and uh, the storytelling all works together and everything sort of – I'm sorry, not even the storytelling, the – the writing, the, the the drawing and inking and the coloring, all of it is working in in a perfect uh, way here. And uh, I, I think that uh, this might be something that uh, may have been better served by that. But I, I certainly hope it doesn't discourage anyone from reading it. I think it's a pretty great comic on its own. Um, yeah. And if you guys have other comics that you do want us to cover in the future... You know, please let us know. Um, I, I think sometimes we get directed specifically by like what's coming up, and, and we try to keep our pulse on what the kids are up to. I don't know what that means, but uh, if there's a comic that you would like us to talk about, you know, sometimes we get a little too into just film and things like that. So please let us know if there's a comic that you like. Let us know, and we'll look into it. Yeah, I, I swear to Christ, we're gonna we're gonna cover uh, Rising Stars. I know you. I, I asked you to buy the um, the whole series. We're gonna get into that. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I mean, it's gonna be sad, but we'll get into it. But anyway, so you guys can find us uh, on Invasion of the Podcast, uh, whatever you recommend in terms of uh, comics to read or whatever. Just let us know. Like, post it there. Uh, we have a we have a blog. It's invasionofthepodcast.com. Um, Steve, I'm going to be promised to you that I, I will watch RoboCop three and write about it before the end of the year. Oof, there's only two weeks left. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to try my best to get a RoboCop three uh, review up on the website. It's going to be a lot of fun, or not. He fights. He fights ninjas. I think that movie's better than people give it credit for. I'm not saying it's great, but I think it's fun. Well, because we've done um, so the, the sequel. See what your take is. You told me that you liked it, so I will. I it has to be better than Grizzly Two, so I will watch it and review it. Uh, you guys can reach out to us at invadingpodcast@gmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. It'd be greatly appreciated. And Steve, how can people find you and support you? Uh, currently you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Siren Slasher. You can find us on our face. Uh, well, I was going to say our Facebook page on our website, the Slasher.com. Uh, our Etsy store is still on vacation, but if you shoot me a message and just want to buy a copy, we'll figure it out and get you taken care of. Uh, but the Etsy store should be up, uh, you know, as, a, a better entrepreneur hey. might think, uh, perhaps I should be pushing this stuff at the holidays. But me, I'm like, ah, we'll, we'll probably have it back open for the new year. So there you go. Yeah, well, because you and I are both like, ah, people wouldn't want to like us. Just, but anyway, so go buy Steve's comics and give the gift to the Slash and support him. So, all right, that's going to do it for the discussion. And we're going to get into uh, Steve's going to challenge me to some um, all real or fake um, Hallmark films. It wasn't especially large. That's not where we're at. Here, this is the right button. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> it, the, the game wasn't especially hard or large. 
That's correct, yes. <laughs> so it's a simple game tonight, which is probably not a bad thing, uh, considering that uh, we're almost probably running in past the three-hour mark at this point. Uh, we got seven minutes. Uh, just, just, tight, just six minutes. Tighten it up. Come on. Come on. All right. So uh, I basically <laughs> have a title here. You're going to tell me if it's a real Hallmark movie or not. Okay. A Hallmark Christmas movie. All right. So the first one here is the... Uh, the future Mrs. Scrooge. Is that a real Hallmark movie or not? Fake. That is fake. That's a title that I made up. I'll just tell you the original origins for this game was is that I was going to make up a bunch of Hallmark Christmas movies and I was going to have you uh, tell me which was real and which wasn't. And then I was going to use those answers to create your own Hallmark movie, but it got overly complicated. <laughs> so now you're just telling me which one's real or fake. So uh, the future of Mrs. Scrooge, I, I did have a plot uh, started for that, but I never got to finish it. So fair enough. All right. Next one here, a shoe addicts Christmas. Real. That is real. Wow. You're two for two. Well, I've watched All a right. lot of these without telling you. That's where I'm at. No, that's not true. <laughs> I'll have to check your DVR the next time I'm at the house. Um, In the so, middle right. of my taco bar with onion. <laughs> I like onion in my tacos. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next one here is the mistletoe promise. Real. That is also real. You're three for three. Oof. Impressive, sir. Uh, how about a heavenly Christmas? Is that real or fake? real that is also real four for four you are really you really know your hallmark christmas movies. no i just uh, that, that name is terrible so yeah <laughs> how about this next one out for the holidays <laughs> i wouldn't believe that somebody come home was like hey i like i like other people they're like Ooh. so i'm gonna say <laughs> that is fake because hallmark can't deal with it yeah, that's probably true. That it is fake, so five for five. Oh, Jesus um, Christ. I don't like that I'm right about a lot of this, Steve. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I'm like, that would actually be a clever uh, title for, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, LGBTQ, um, you know, uh, a Christmas movie. And uh, uh, apparently Hallmark has not bitten on that. So, uh, so the next one here... Uh, the Santa caused fake. That's fake. Yeah, I made that one. I'm just want to be uh, like, about, oh, about, why are all these elves dead and kids don't get presents? Well, it's the Santa cause. <laughs> I wanted to believe in it as being like a cause. Like I actually had plots like kind of in the back of my brain when I was coming <laughs> up with these titles, but we didn't get that far. Um, punish. Right, so this, punish. All right, continue, please. <laughs> a grandpa for Christmas. Oh, Christ in heaven. <sighs> real. Yeah, it is real. And God I just damn want to it. mention Christmas. <sighs> it was starring Ernest Borgnine. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Well, they said that I feel better about that. Okay. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> I love I love Ernest Borgnine, and when he would laugh, all his horse teeth would be shown. It's okay. <laughs> uh, how about this one? The Christmas Clown. Hmm. Fake. It is fake. Damn you! 
You have not missed I, one yet. I don't like I don't like this about me. Can I just say this? I don't I don't like this about me at all. How dare you? How dare you, sir? All right. We got three more to go here. How many? How many more? Three more to go. Oh, so you're telling me you're telling me I'm already at a C plus here. Okay, continue. Uh yeah, I guess. Um the next one here is it's Christmas. Comma Eve, so it's it's Christmas Eve, but you know the name Eve is in there. Oh, you overthought this. It's fake. No, that one's real. Oh, son of a bitch! All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, next one here: subverting Christmas. Use the word subvert. It's going to be fake. It is fake. <laughs> and I want to just thank. Uh, uh, next week's guest, El Goro, uh, for, for that, that came up, I think, like two or three times during his discussion uh, with the cancer man of uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah. So uh, we're going to te- tease that. I figured you'd appreciate that. So, all right. I don't like, oh, gosh, I'm an 80%. This will put me at an A minus this next question. I don't like this at all. This, this the last, <gasps> all right. Last one here. Uh, Jingle Bell Bride. Son of a bitch, it's real. It is real. God oh damn it. God. Here, can I just throw one of these out here? One second. I'm going to throw one of these. One of these. It is, um, <laughs> that's what I'm going to throw, throw a scream out there because <laughs> I am not happy. I am not happy that I was born and raised in West Virginia and somehow I came out of this nine out of 10. I don't, I didn't, I am people. I am not happy with myself. I'm confused. What does, uh, <laughs> what, what does West Virginia and Hallmark movies have to do with each other? Cause this is a deep red state and, and nobody, nobody understands shit down there. And all they want <laughs> is like garbage. I'm sure there are plenty, plenty of blue state people who, who like Hallmark schmaltzy movies? Well, can I just tell you one of my one of my one of my blue state friends that lives down there? He like we went to high school together. He had like he and his wife are very like very uh, successful financially, and they've taken their kids like all over like the country. So they've given them like a lot of access to different things, so they can form their own opinions. But my buddy, one of his big wars that I keep seeing on Facebook is him going to uh, Auntie M's. Like what what's it called? The, the, the pretzel place in the mall. And, um, yeah. Auntie M's, Auntie M's. And they stopped the whole wheat pretzels. He, he, that's his war. Now, anytime they post anything, he is upset that there's not a whole wheat pretzel. And I respect that. Like he bring, he, he brings everything to let them know that they don't, they don't do whole wheat pretzels anymore. So all right. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'm just st- stating that there's friends. I have friends down there that are very liberal, and the the hill he's going to die on is the wheat pre- whole wheat pretzels. <laughs> That's what I'll say about that. So, yeah. So no. Um. All right. I don't like that I did so well at that. So, thanks? Question mark. Not really. Um. There you go. That's going to do it for this I think week. Yeah, he'll continue. be creating his own uh, Hallmark Christmas movie. Uh, he'll be calling next year. He'll he'll be talking about his uh, upcoming Hallmark Christmas movie that he wrote. 
because he's clearly inefficient at folks. Yeah, that's fair. So, all right, that's going to do it for us this week. Um, have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, let me shout out um, at the Devil's Ball. You guys should check it out. They uh, recently had a um, a kind of discussion about uh, Batman Returns, which if you guys want to go back to the beginning of the year, we talked about that. Um, but they actually had uh, some people from um, Mr. Science Theater 3000. They had the Mads on there to talk about that. So credit to them. They're way more um, better people than us. So go check that out. Um, I think it's worthy of um, shouting out because, my God, we love Mr. Science Theater and they got the Mads. So credit where credit's due. So congratulations. Let's go check out that conversation. Um, Next week for us, um, our last episode of the year is not a Christmas episode. And I realized that, like, this is going to get a little weird. However... We're doing our last episode of the year of the sequel, and we're getting into uh, Predator 2. We're going to have a special guest on the show. It is the Mr. Uh, the El Goro from Talk Without Rhythm, um, a classy son of a bitch. He's going to class up the joint and bring us a bunch of Predator lore. Um, I've not seen this film in forever, but you got a Danny Glover and a Gary Busey. I'm in. And a Morton Downey Jr., right? That's in this as well, if I remember right. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that, but yes, you are correct. <laughs> so we're getting into our last episode of the year of the sequel. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to get into that. Hope you guys uh, watch that. Uh, watch the episode. We'll watch that movie and join us there. I hope you enjoyed this conversation this week. Uh, a lot of weird food talk and then, you know, some comic talk. But um, yeah, I don't know. Steve, you got anything else on the way out? Anything else you want to say? Anything encouraging? As long as there's cookie guys, cookies guys, it's all okay. <laughs>